Hello and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. Back in the room once again. Yes. Uh, one of us half vaxxed, the other on his way to being fully vaxxed. Oh, I'm fully vaxxed, baby. You got your two weeks post second dose. Oh, is that? You gotta wait two weeks afterwards. Okay. You're supposed to. Oh. What have you been up to? I mean, I've just been walking into a random gas station being like, y'all are losers. <laughs> oh, that's you now? Yeah, that's okay. me now. Gavin's wearing a, a, an America F. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually had this an extra a large. Tank. Yeah. A, I had an extra large. Big fan of the tank. I love tank tops. Yeah. I, I know you are. Yeah. Gavin, big fan of the tank. That's what, <laughs> yes. that's what I was getting at. Hopefully my jokes will play better now yeah. that we're in the room <laughs> yes. together again. So, uh, yeah. I'm really what fond we, of the What Abrams are we here to do? It's a, it's, it's a two-by-two retro review. That rhymed. I like it. I mean, that's, you know, I, I do... You are know, pretty I fucking funny. I do put a little bit of effort into these show titles and yeah. miniseries and stuff. You came up with a whopper of a name uh, for uh, something that we're going we're gonna to be doing, but we won't, we won't even bother teasing that yet. Yeah, we'll wait. Very excited stuff. Music-related stuff. Yes, coming finally. Soon. Uh, I mean, you say finally. We just did rerun the jewels. That was baby. in November, baby. It's already this year's almost halfway That's over. That's true. And music is the most neglected of what is supposed to be our triumvirate of uh, of content. So, but I also I think it's just because music is so even more than we film. Do, we're just gonna get like esoteric it, about yeah, music now. Yeah. No, no right, it's sure. just so. Please do while I uh, pull up my. Go for I have it. no notes. I'm pulling up IMDb pages so okay. I don't mispronounce names. All right, that, that works. But again, music is of everything is the most, um, I guess, subjective of the arts, because you know you think about the Why podcast we did. I went into it being like, oh, this is just some band that like Noah likes, and like he tells me they're good, but like I don't really know. And what it was described to me as, I was like, I guess I could get into this, and then I get in it, and I'm like, there's a lot here, but I would never have gotten into it if it wasn't for you telling me to. So I feel like that. I think we we got to win a lot more hearts and minds with music, yeah, on this show, this network. So we stick to movies because everybody loves movies. I mean, yeah, you know, true. You instantly can go. We can be a little more uh, on the nose objective, about, objective, about what's, and what's good and what's bad. Even though our opinions they don't count for shit. I always like to remind people that. Yep, we mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay. This uh, is America. With you that, can literally do and say whatever you want. With that in mind. Uh, let's dive right in because we we did a recent episode. Yes, we don't need to catch up on oh, no, a no, bunch nothing. of what we've let's been just, watching, and we yeah. have two dynamite films Di- to uh, dynamite to discuss. Uh, picked by our listeners, we should point out. We we threw up some suggestions, and everybody decided on this on Instagram like over a month ago, almost at this point. But we're getting it in under the wire. This is your two by two retro review for the month of April. 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 Yes. And. We are talking Super Mario Bros. And Michael Clayton. Yes. And we said them in reverse order, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you can guess who picked what. Right. Uh, first selections. Where do you want to go first? I'm down for either. Excited to talk about both. I mean... I feel good about both of these conversations, so it's really just where, what kind of mood do you want to hit first? Do you want to go nostalgia, or do you want to go... What's almost nostalgia for like a 13, 14 year old movie at this point? I mean, I, I 
thoroughly enjoy Michael Clayton, and because it's a new one for me and not one we both watched, I feel like we should go there first. Well, that's this just is your first viewing. Yeah, I told you I'd never seen it before. Oh, we discovered uh, we gotta save it for last. Oh, then. okay, okay, all right. Well, no, because we discovered it on that cast. And I was like, oh, I've never seen it. We were talking in the bedrooms, our last two by two, and I had a plethora of movies to choose from, which. I don't think I'm ever going to do that again because it seemed like such a... I mean, I appreciate the fan input, but I think next time I'm going to come a little bit more solid with something that's like, just watch this. Yeah. So, but... We'll we'll probably do another fan pick for the back half of the year. Yeah, of course. And we've got a very special one coming up with the Brothers Blanchard. Big crossover episode. Indeed. Yes. Can't wait for that one. Rocky and the Karate Kid. I mean... I always want to say part one, but... Yeah. I didn't call it that at the time. Just called the Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, a far far superior film to Rocky, of course. Obviously, I just rewatched Rocky tonight. This is going to be a great conversation. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, I don't care if I want to be the lone guy. I want Karate just, Kid to be a the little thing. Pre, a little preview. I was sitting there tonight, being like, I've seen it before. It's been a long time. I've right. seen like a lot of the sequels more recently. Right. It's been a very long time since I've gone back to the original. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Uh, yeah, we'll see if the bloom's off the rose. Like, some of this maybe hasn't aged well, blah, blah, blah. And by the end of it, I was literally in tears. I was like, I know how this ends. And I was, like, breaking down uh, at multiple points in the movie. And I was like, I don't remember. This definitely never hit me this emotionally right. when I was a kid. And you know what I realized? Same age as Rocky. Yeah. We'll table that. More, just, th- more thoughts I just on have that a, angle I just have coming one qu- on the actual one, Yeah, but I want one question from you because I'm not going to ask it in front of the other guys. Can you differentiate in terms of watching Rocky and knowing what Rocky is and The Karate Kid as their own movie not a- attached to a franchise? That's the only question I have. Because I approach this as what Rocky was in the 70s at, as it came out and what the Karate Kid was when it came out, not knowing there's going to be two more movies in a, in a Netflix show and obviously not knowing there's going to be 13 more Rocky movies that are made. Is it 13? Did it's, I pull that? No. Okay. It's, Way off. They're not in double digits. Okay. Yet. Close to. close. Yeah. They're close. Creed 3 would be double digits, right? Does that put us over the top? We had six. Six? Six and two is eight. Okay. So three would be nine. Right. Yeah. And we're not counting the one where Stallone and De Niro fighting each other in boxing? Grudge match does not count. Okay, right, just checking. I didn't know if maybe he secretly was like... Neither does Snake Eyes, even though I noticed when I was re-watching Rocky, I was like, that's the boxer in Snake Eyes. Yeah. Nice little continuity mm-hmm. there. The Palma. Okay. You know what I appreciated about Rocky? Before we get into this? He's, um, oh, what is it? The second... Maybe the second one. Maybe it's the first one. But they're, uh... He's asked... The guy comes up in a wheelchair asking him to sign his cast. It's, um... Romano from ER. I can't think of the actor's name. But he's got the headband on. He's like, hey, Rocky, you saw my you saw my head, Rock? And he, you know, hey, there you go. All right. All right. So, if we're not going to go with Michael Clayton, we're going to start with we're Super Mario. We're starting with Super Mario Brothers. Feeling we're not in Brooklyn no more. Luigi! You better not hurt! They're brothers. They're plumbers. Oh no! Mario! Luigi! They're on the trail. Luigi! 
of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite. It's incredible! That gives anyone who possesses it the power to rule the universe. Get me the rock! Come and get it, lizard breath! Now, they must rescue the princess. and make it safely back later alligator to our world are you all right before time runs out Mario Brothers. This ain't no game. You know, on our previous episode, we talked about Mortal Kombat. Yes. Excuse me. I'm not going to do the voice because they didn't do the voice. No, I don't know if we didn't. talked about that, but they totally screwed the pooch on that one. That was yeah. a really missed opportunity. Anyways, so we just talked about like basically where video game adaptations are. So it's it's nice to now... See where they Jump all started. And see where it all started. Right. And I real, I really was flabbergasted, like confirming that fact. I was like, real. This was the first one. I was like, in the wake of like Star Wars and all of that in the late seventies, nobody made a Defender game mm-hmm. or Defender movie, rather. Like nobody adapted Space Invaders or Missile Command or anything like that. Like in the early eighties, it was just. I was surprised. Yeah. I was very surprised. Because you forget that Tron is its own thing, and they made a right. game from Tron. Tron wasn't like a pre-existing existing into yes. Yeah. So. And some of the things I want to hit, we can talk about this however you want to. We don't yeah. have to go beat by beat. Whatever. It's your pick. We'll approach it how you'd like to. But the one or two things I do want to cover that we didn't really talk about in relation to Mortal Kombat, but we can talk about more broadly What's your favorite video game adaptation as a movie? And then one video game that you want to be adapted, and you can give me your Dreamcast director, whatever. Okay. Uh, But yeah, and we can talk about some of the bad ones too, but I figured let's talk about the positives. Yeah. Because hot take coming off of this rewatch, I think Super Mario Brothers is fucking great. It's a fucking classic. I, I was fully prepared on this rewatch to be like, all right, I gotta begrudgingly be like, the you know the rose colored glasses of childhood and nostalgia yeah. for John Leguizamo. And I, I started to say in his prime, but no, he's he's still in his prime as far as I'm concerned. Right, this uh, is like baby Leguizamo. The great Bob Hoskins, who I didn't probably as a kid didn't even connect. Like that's just fucking just me. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, what's it? What's his name in Roger Rabbit? We, we were we were big Roger. Rabbit we were kids. not. That's you know, and I, I I feel like that. I don't know why exactly. I I feel like I would have been terrified of Christopher Lloyd if we watched. Oh it, God, like, yes. when I was a kid, probably actively avoided it because like I was scared of him and Dennis the Menace. I bet they don't even lock their doors. Exactly. I yeah. Yeah. Please don't ever make me watch that one. No. It, it's on like Netflix and no. HBO. No, sir. But I have not revisited it in quite some time because. Yeah, no, he's, not. He's scared. scared. He the is scared. <laughs> yes. For, it, yeah. And it, it, it's one of those like, it's so scary and that it's because it's in this PG 13 movie that's like supposed to be light and fun. It's Walter Matthau. 
Right. I mean, come on. And it's like he's he's eating cans of beans with a switchblade. It's very intense. He's a very hoboish. Okay. It's just it's wild. But we're not talking about Christopher Lloyd. No, we got there through the great Bob Hoskins. Yes. Maybe eventually, I'd like to I'd like to make him the one of the patron saints of two by two retro reviews. We've done two so far. This mm-hmm. will be our second one. We still got to do Mona Lisa at some point. Uh, and there, there's plenty of other ones that he might pop up in. That would be fun to do. Remember Unleashed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With Danny the Dog. Yeah. Just saying. That. Passes the 10-year rule if you want to yeah. throw it in there. I haven't thought about it. that movie literally until tonight in about N- a decade. <laughs> haven't seen it. Never saw it. I know. I never caught it. I wasn't a Jet Li guy. I'm shocked. I th- that's produced by, I don't want to call him your boy, but that's a Besson produced joint, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just assumed you saw it. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I knew the picture. Maybe Morgan Freeman's in it. I get it. We're getting way off track. I do want to talk about Super Mario Brothers. Okay. I do. Okay. But yeah, I was fully prepared to be like, okay, yeah. Doesn't really hold up. Right. And I had the exact opposite reaction. I had a total blast with it. I remembered all the beats, but it had been just long enough that like, you kind of discovered it's, them again. Like they, th- as they're happening, you're like, oh, okay, I know how mm-hmm. to finish this line. And I guess the thing I didn't have perspective on as a kid is like, and I feel like still nobody appreciated it at the time. They just trashed it. This is like, like if you let Terry Gilliam direct a video game movie. Essentially, And I'm yeah. not like a crazy Terry Gilliam fan, but it, it oddly works. This like r- really funky aesthetic... I, I funky even I don't know how to describe the aesthetic of this movie other than Gilliam esque. That's the closest thing I can compare it to is stuff like Twelve Monkeys or the Fisher King, or which Twelve Monkeys came out after this, right? Yes. You think he I'm saw more, this and was like, no, I'm more thinking color palette and stuff of like Fisher King and some of the like crazy just angles and, and choices, yeah, in general. Uh, but yeah, it's it's arguably yes an odd fit. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot made of like, well, it just like, it has no connection with the video game. I don't know what kind of like cohesive narrative they thought they were ever going to apply to Super Mario Brothers. I mean, apparently just, there was a script that was faithful, faithful to the game. I don't understand what that would mean in a live action context. I right? don't know how you execute that without it just... I mean, it's an art film, I would assume. Yes. Which this, in a weird way, is grafted onto like a supposed like summer blockbuster right. sort of setup. Um, I mean, could you could you tell now, watching it as an adult, that possibly Bob Hoskins didn't know what movie he was in, as he as famously stated that he well, didn't know what movie Super Mario Brothers was well, until his kid showed and him I the had, game. I had in the, had that in mind the whole thing of like. They were just blasted drunk, him and Leguizamo. Yes. Like, everybody was checked out. They were like, this is a turd. And I'm like, it doesn't have that energy. No, it all. doesn't. They're, like, totally in it. Yeah. They're, like... They're turning it on. That's what an actor they're is. They're giving 110%. Yeah. That's why I'm like... it's Fucking Dennis Hopper is in this movie, like, acting his ass off. Mm-hmm. And re-watching this with Veronica, she had seen it as a kid, and she, uh-huh. like, barely remembered anything from it. But as soon as Dennis Hopper showed up, she's like, fucking... Is that... Mommy, <laughs> that's what she always yes. says from Blue Velvet. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking Frank Booth is King Koopa in this movie. Yeah, uh, and bringing a bit of that energy, definitely on every level. The secret, and again, 
I will agree from the jump. We like we should not have loved this as much as we did as kids. Right. This the fact that some of this material was in a quote unquote children's movie. Right. Is baffling. Truly baffling. But it's also of the most cynical era or decade in our era. Yes. The nineties. And it's like yeah, look at Super Mario Brothers. It's PG thirteen. It's dark as hell. Yes. Um, we're gonna get Dennis Hopper to play the villain. Uh, so many bizarre choices, but I love every single one of them. Oh, of course. And I, so I just want to state that from the top, I, I love this. So it's a, I, I wanted to come back and like give it an honest reassessment and say, okay, here's what works and doesn't work about it. I know it is regarded as one of the worst movies ever made, and kind of like set the trajectory for what a video game movie was going to be which is a lot of like bizarre choices in how you adapt right. something that in the case of Super Mario Brothers fundamentally should never be adapted to right. live action it makes no sense and yeah it doesn't lend itself whatsoever yes but i think when you get to something like we talked about the other day with Mortal Kombat when you get to something that like truly lends itself that like it's not hard i mean but again, that's people who have taken like kung fu and and you know martial arts action movies and decided let's make us a game about it. Kind of lends itself for someone to come along and say, "Oh, I'll make that movie because it lends itself to that." I think for what they did, you know, able to pull off in the '90s with the you know it was what forty eight million dollars. What's that like? I mean, double today. Yeah, and I know so. that's part of it too. Is like, oh, it was oh, the budget budget was overblown. It tanked. It didn't do right. well because it's like people show up and they're like, this? But again, I challenge you. What were you expecting? Exactly. When you heard Super Mario Brothers, the movie, to me it should be an open... In the same way, oddly, that like we talked about with Mortal Kombat, I came into that and I'm like, well, there is no established canon. They change the canon of that series all the time. Mm-hmm. there's time travel there's people coming back from the dead there's people who like morph into other characters there's all sorts of weird shit so i come to a movie and i'm like okay it's up to you guys to pick your choice bits from this right. pre-existing lore or just put a nice shell around the core of this gameplay right. and like give us enough narrative to to thread it through and i thought they did a very good job of that in the case of super mario brothers you know they're plumbers. And you know what? They're plumbers. Yeah. In this movie. Very competitive plumbers. Always. It's the Scapelli brothers, right? The Scapellis are always outbidding them for the job. Right. Which Sc- Scapelli. showing up early. Scapelli's not the in the game. Of the, yeah. I love the idea of the competitive. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. And they're, it's Scapelli, I guess, is like low-level mobster, essentially. That's what it That's seems. Subtext. They certainly they paint him in that light for a 90s character. And not that we have to go in order, but I forgot as well. This movie opens with like narration and animation about the dinosaurs. Yes, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's like a but then a giant meteor occurred. But then something happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's a giant the York, meteor. That New York accent, just like. But what if they didn't go? Bad. What if they didn't go away? What if the meteor transformed them to another yeah, alternate like, oh, dimension? Shit, hard left turn. <laughs> you're okay. like. Okay, I, I as can, a kid, you're like fully on board. Yeah, yeah, I could totally dig that. All right, let's let's go. Do you think, in looking through like the ID, IMDb trivia, that like if we got any of the deleted scenes, it would have made the movie any better than it is? 
Because I will argue the only thing I would have appreciated would have been to see Dennis Hopper walking around New York and be like, hmm, yeah. And that's like why New York is looks like right. uh, Koopaville or whatever the hell you call it is like, you know, that I I think that would have made it just a tad bit better. But I also like not revealing Dennis Hopper until the very last minute. You absolutely have to. I can appreciate right. that as well, you know. But you could still do like him standing on a street corner looking up and just the back of his head and be like, what is up with this dude's hair or head? Whatever the hell is going on here? Like, what are we doing? Uh, we have the baby being left. Yes. With the meteorite piece. A, a type of sequence I feel like I've seen in like a billion movies, but I'm like, I think it's just this one in my head. Right. Because it's this weird like egg eggshell contraption yes. thing. And yeah, and this is all over the opening credits, and I, I'm like, yeah, I feel like anybody sitting down in the theater on Friday, opening weekend, is just like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Where is this going? And then very quickly, we're into the world of the Mario Brothers. We have yet to do a Leguizamo picture. We've talked about him quite a bit, though. As kids, I feel like he we... As far as we were concerned, he was in the same echelon of like Tom Cruise or something. I, you know what I, I. Oh no, he was like a Jim Carrey or a. From a comedic standpoint, yes. but also I remember thinking like, but he's a he's like an actor, like he can do whatever. No, what John Leguizamo concept. killed Lee Strasberg. His acting was so <laughs> beautiful. Lee Strasberg died while working with him. He says it all the time. I, I love the story. Yeah, I don't know. He's been on several things recently, and the Mario question does get brought up. And he does talk about fondly about, like, drinking profusely with Bob Hoskins and how, like, you know, the whole accident with his hand and he went in this Cockney tirade and all that. I was like, oh, Again, shit. I, I did not do much research into, like, the casting decisions, et cetera. Yeah. But the, the instinct to cast Bob Hoskins as, as Mario Mario. <laughs> right. Luigi, Luigi? I don't no, know Luigi who... Mario. <laughs> I don't know what genius gifted us with that decision, but it it just works for me, baby. Who else, think of anyone else in that time that you would want? The only other person that I would say can Spain. You remember that? We, Veronica and I, rewound that scene. Mm-hmm. No joke, like seven times to try and figure out. What the fuck is he saying? It's somewhere in your text messages. I sent yeah. you screen caps because there are times when his Bob Hoskins reaching for the New York accent just gets a little out of control. But it's a beautiful thing to behold, and I am totally here for it. Do you want to talk about Samantha Mathis for like twenty minutes? What else do I know about some? Where where else do I know Samantha Mathis from Did besides this movie? I was thinking about that the other day, like. I feel I got, like she was I everywhere, got, I got but few, but I also here, can't think of another here's one. The, here's the OG for a lot of people, okay. not my generation, because it's too early '90s and I didn't catch up with it till way late. Pump up the volume, first okay. of all. Yeah. Broken Arrow, or more that's high profile. What that's what I'm thinking of. with that's, Christian Slater yes. once again. I want to say they were involved at some for, point. I, they, I feel like they had to be. I feel like everybody dated Christian Slater. And then why, they moved on. Why wouldn't you? Why would you not? Yeah, why would you? And not? then I mean, uh, the main thing is uh, she's Courtney in American Psycho. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I knew there was something I was forgetting, and I just watched Broken Arrow. So I guess that just kind of slipped my mind. Like, oh, yeah, I just saw her in that. But that makes... Yeah, okay. I forgot about American Psycho. Uh, I just... She, she's great. Perfect. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's an odd role. It is. Being a half... She's she's half dinosaur, right? right. Essentially. Mm-hmm. But just like... I mean, like she's birthed from an egg... But I guess because she stayed here, yeah. And I'd... let's not. You know what? Let's try and not get sucked into the logic holes of this movie. Because okay. Fair I think enough. they're innumerable, and you know we could be here all day. But she's working the dig site. She's got to deal with the crooked. Excuse me. Go ahead. Hey, the name's Mario. I'm your main man. You ram a dam. You can't a spam. <laughs> your main man. You ram a dam. You can't spam. Excuse me. Will you hit me again? I never have seen such fluidity. The way your knuckles crunched. I just smashed them into my face. <laughs> Dance with me. I'll hit you all you like. Big she is credited as Bertha. Yeah, Big like, Bertha. Big Bertha. I love it. She uh That was an experience that was for me as a child. Because I'll be honest oddly, with you. I, I didn't know how I was I did not know I she made me feel a lot of feelings. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Um yes. It just, <laughs> what a perfect pairing. Because I feel like there's this weird, like, maybe it doesn't happen in movies, but I see it in real life where there are these kind of, like, New York greaseball guys with mustaches, and they are always with beautiful, like, big black women. Luxurious black women. Yes, yes, and it just, it makes me smile. I'm just like, yeah, you get it. You know what <laughs> you I'm talking Mario about. Go Mario. Go Mario. Okay. <laughs> so, Daisy... She's working the site. She's a an archaeologist by tra- She's a no, she's a paleontologist. A what? She's a student. She's an ontologist of some kind. Yeah, paleontologist. She's running the dig site. Though. But she's university student. They found these dinosaur bones in yes. New York. All right. The dinosaurs Sco- in New York? The Scapellis. Take it easy, Luigi. There were Dodgers here too. <laughs> <laughs> just taking pot shots at the Dodgers. I love it. Yeah. Um Excuse me. The Scapellis are, you know, Giving her a hard time. They might mm-hmm. come down to the site and cause some trouble. Uh, they do, in fact, send some goons down, cause some trouble. She's... Well, this happens later, excuse me. They go to dinner. She explains when, like when she's a vegetarian. When the phone, though? She's basically what, walking up to use the payphone to be like, to we need to get some security. Get security down there. Mario yes. and Luigi have already been like snubbed by Scapelli, which apparently there's a deleted scene where they like confront the guys at the store like, hey, what the hell? Um... We have this meet cute between yes. the two of them. It works, whatever. Anyways, they go to dinner later. We get a little hang bit on, of her on. bizarre backstory. I, I, I heard your name's Daisy. It's a very beautiful name. Not like I hang out in flower shops or nothing. Like he okay. just he has to <laughs> be like immediately undercuts I, himself. Yes, yes, it's like hey, I, I I'm sensitive, but like I'm not like I'm not that like, not I, like I, I like you. Sensitive. I you like you. Like, you're, <laughs> you're cute. I would I would like to take you out. What my brother is saying is we have a van, and if you would like to, we can give you a ride. <laughs> He's like okay. Yes. Um, I love that he keeps talking about Papa and family, and it's like, this is it for you. Like, unless you go on this magical adventure and save the world from whatever the hell's going to happen if that rock goes back in the little place, yes. you got a whole life of just being in shit, dealing with plumbing problems. What are you going to do? Yeah. So. Okay. Things escalate. 
Um, There's two guys coming to kidnap her. One of them who was Fisher Stevens, which I fucking love. And the other is Richard Edison. uh, Mainly, I know him from Spike Lee movies. Right. Do the right thing. He's the one who's not John Turturro. Yes, the other one. I know who you're talking about. Um, And Fisher Stevens, 90s icon. Is that fair enough to say? I don't know. I don't know if people feel that way. But between this and Hackers... I mean, I think some people go short circuit, but I can... That's 80s, but most people probably want to forget that one. I think he wants to forget that one at this point. Probably, yeah. Probably wants to... I wonder if it's on the old resume. I wonder. Does he have a resume? He's Fisher Stevens. You know, he's just getting the call. He gets the call regardless. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, if there's anybody that needs to have that New York accent, that weird, like, like, in his voice with the hair or, like, and just that beautiful complexion, you call Fisher Stevens first, and if he doesn't answer, you move on. But you leave him a message. Hey, I'm moving on, but call me back if you're interested. Yes. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yes. So these two bumbling idiots, Iggy and Spike. The Super the Koopa, Super Koopa, Koopa cousins. cousins. I demand the secret. Hashtag release <laughs> the Super Koopa Cousins. Uh, I just love that like they established that where they live and where Scapelli is, or where their job is, is, is a bit of a ways away. And then that the dig site is further than that. But when they're like, what do we do? He's like, I know. And he's like, his instinct is, I know what to do to fix this. I'm a, right. like, you're a plumber, right? He's like, I, yeah, I know exactly what to do. Smash cut. Mario, Scapelli's flooding the site. And he just, he's in his underwear, Noah. He's in a white t-shirt and boxers. <laughs> they run all the way back. Then. How do they, yeah, they get all, well, no, they take the truck or whatever. No, or no, he took the van home. You're right. They and run all the way. What, excuse me. This is what I mean by 110% committed. He gets that hero shot. He straps on that belt. Strap on you. Strap get on your belt, kid. We're going in. We're going in. And you're just like, dude, he's in it. Yeah. The gravitas is there. Oscan spent ready, three weeks being a plumber. I am ready to go on this adventure. <laughs> Did he seriously? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not going like, to sully that man. In my research, he fucking seriously. He went and worked with he New might York have plumbers did, for three He might have done a few ride longs. You never He's know. straight up method, dude. Yeah. Why do you think he was blasted the whole time? That's what Mario is. That's what the star power is. That's the joy juice, baby. That's yeah. how he becomes invincible. Exactly. Runs real fast. Mm-hmm. They don't really do the star in this movie, do they? They don't. They, they got really the have... bomb. They got the fungus. They got yeah. the mushroom, you know. They got some approximations. Anyways, before you know it, everybody goes through a portal. I gotta be honest. I thought this was gonna look like dog shit. I thought that there's yeah. no way this transition sequence oh, no, of ages not. well. It looks okay. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I saw there's a 4K restoration of this movie available now. What? Yeah, we obviously have like a shitty DVD, but yeah, a, yeah, there's a 4K out there somewhere. Somebody did it. Yeah. Thank you. If you're feeling uh, generous, the email is thearchivy at gmail dot com. Go ahead and email us for our deets, and you can just send it to us on Amazon. We appreciate it. Thanks. Um, yeah, I yeah. second that. Yeah, she just put a wish list up. Like, hey, if you're fi- if you're feeling fancy, you know, yeah. you don't want to donate to Patreon or anything, just you know, here you go. Yeah, I was sure. I was thoroughly. You know it, we're we're into the magical mushroom game. I love that he gets. <laughs> this can't be Manhattan. Like, <laughs> I mean, I lived in Brooklyn for thirty years. <laughs> this, oh, I don't this... come uptown a lot. I don't know what's going. <laughs> I love it. In this montage, when they first get in there, there's. <laughs> There's a random person. They're just seeing all this chaos. It's like, this is, this looks like fucking Mad Max. Do they say? I thought they made a Mad Max reference at some point. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe I'm losing it. But they're looking around. They're just kind of soaking it all in, right? Somebody is on a bike, 
And to like illustrate the chaos of like what this city is, he's on a bike and he just like is barreling really <laughs> fast, straight to a railing, flies over. That's it. Like Nothing. just with no context whatsoever. He's not running from anything. Nope. He just like he's that crazy. Yeah. You boys have a gun. <laughs> you better get one. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that scared me. When I, I need was a Cooper kid. I was coins. Like, oh my god, this sweet old lady. What happened? Yeah. Worse, not as bad. Early expo early exposure. This combined with Home Alone, I was going to say, not as York. bad as Home Alone. Much better in here, kid. Yeah. Combined with that, whoa, baby! Yeah. I I thought New York was terrifying as a child. No, like, in, the 90s, in the nineties, in the nineties, New York not was terrifying. Off. Yes, we aren't that far away from like porn shops and five. I hadn't and even the, discovered the seventies cinema yet. Yeah. I was just basing this on the depictions of the early nineties kids' films, <laughs> again <laughs> children's films, where they're like. Fucking New York. <laughs> What's that? Creepy. It's the city. Don't ever go over there. Yeah. Um. They get. Oh, Toad gets arrested for, for singing, singing a an anti Koopa song. song. Love it, dude. Yeah. Love it. And they're defending this guy because they're our heroes. They're good guys. They're st- they're like, hey, you can't cops, arrest a man for singing a song. What is yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. I love whenever Bob Hoskins gets worked up into a frenzy about something. It's probably my favorite. That's great. The whole, the whole, like their names, Mario, Mario, Luigi, Mario, going through the police thing, or they get their, they get the guns pointed at them. It's like sniper rifles, and they just, and they take their yeah, photos like, and they shit. Think they're about to be killed. It's right. So funny. I, again, all these bits work for me. They're in the jail cell, and they have this little interplay with Toad, which Toad's MVP. Yes, but I'll, we'll get to the secret weapon of this movie, and I think you might agree with me. Okay, the stealth best performance in the movie, the character that has stuck with me since childhood. Maybe we'll just talk about it right now, dude. Fucking Fiona Shaw. Oh yeah, who I don't, and see that's the thing. If you're going to this and you're a Mario fan, you're like, well, wait, what is this woman supposed to be? Is she? That's what I'm saying. They put this woman. We- they yeah. put this weird, jealous, jilted lover subplot. Slash rep Velociraptor, yes, yeah. But they put that on her and Koopa's relationship. Does not need to be in here in this movie, but again, stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like it, we, a lot of. I got to be honest. We'll just put it on the table. A lot of weird sexual energy in this yes. movie, considering it's ostensibly for kids. Like with her being in the mud, they're being in a mud bath. The mud as bath. The, yes, the crystal. Her cleavage. Yes. Bertha's over here with Mario. I'm like, she's you know that all interesting the, as well. In the club you got scene? Samantha Mathis in the middle of it, and I just, I don't know what to do with myself, frankly, yes. as a child. I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, luckily you didn't know what that was, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if that's how you figured out what masturbating was? From Mario Brothers? <laughs> Would have been weird. Would have been weird. Did you know that all the all the people in the club scene, they're all they're all strippers? Did not know that. <laughs> Authenticity, I suppose. No, Liguizamo said they hired all strippers to come in there, and they were just not having it because they kept wanting to like dance and take clothes off. And they're like, he was like, me and the crew, like no one in the crew cared, but we're like, guys, this is this is a PG thirteen movie, like you gotta gotta keep. That's why if you look in the background, there's a lot of like scantily clad women. They're all strippers from like the city that they they hired to come be in this club scene. I don't know what this. Something about this '90s art direction and like the the costume choices in general. This, I don't know, dude. It scratches an itch of some kind, and I'm like, what? What other things have this like aesthetic that I'm thinking of? And it's this is gonna sound weird, but like 
the way people are dressed at like the party in blank check that he throws at the end. Yes. Some of the wild dresses on like the the party goers and even like his white suit with crazy pattern that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this just very like we're out of the eighties. But we're not we done with it we, yet. We it's a hangover. We like, yeah, we know we like color. We like Tommy Hilfiger. We like Hugo so Boss. We like we just like a lot of it, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's the the instinct. Yeah. But then visually, the movie is very not drab, but dark. It's subterranean. Dark. It is subterranean. Imagine has, getting that art direction. That Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles energy. The right. first one. Right. The half the movie feels like keep them in darkness because we don't know if the uh animatronics are gonna work. If the right. effects are gonna work. Right. And again, we're we're about to get into the transformation scene. I guess we need to talk about the introduction of Hopper though. Right. If we're kinda going semi chronologically. Right. They do this weird fake out where it's like, Well, we know he's the bad guy. Right. We know why he's there. Exactly. But they, they keep this ruse up for all of like a which, two minute scene. Which I don't understand because for him to reveal. there's shots of like Koopa all around yes. the city they're looking at to when they see him, they don't think it's like, you're the guy, oh, you're this Koopa guy. Like what? Yeah. You don't get a lawyer in, in uh, gotta be honest, watching a lot of Hopper recently. Dino Hatton. Been on a nice, nice little kick. Did speed recently uh-huh. and just scrolled through recently and saw that Waterworld is leaving Netflix soon. Gotta watch it. <laughs> and I was like, I think that needs to be done. But Veronica's like looking at the picture, which the image on Netflix right now is him with the the eye patch and the like, you know, baked sun, bald head and everything. And she's like, Is that mommy? It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's him. That's him again. She's like, Is he a bad guy in it? I was like, Yeah. And she was like, Is he crazy as hell? And I was like, Yep. And she was like, he ever play anybody normal i was like he did at one point back in the day i was like his 90s though um no don't bet on it nope (laughs) you're you're hiring for the the crazy hopper energy right you're hiring for third act of apocalypse now you're not hiring for hoosiers right i'm just saying which is and like i feel like in the early 90s walking is looking at him like huh okay and then by the end of the 90s it's like Christopher Walken's like, I see what he's doing there. He's 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 got that wild, crazy, big dick energy. I'm doing this, and then you get Christopher Walken just being, you know, th- not wild and crazy like that, but just being himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't look at Dennis Hopper from any other performance in Super Mario Brothers, but I know like, well, that's just Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. He read this thing and was like, my my kid's got to eat. Sure, I'll do it because right. like I don't know if you saw in your research either. He explained that his kid was like, you know, why did you, you know, you, you played a pretty bad guy in that movie. Like, why why did you even do the Super Mario Brothers movie? He's like, well, I did this so you could have shoes. And this kid was like, I don't need shoes that much. <laughs> like, I don't, it's okay. I don't need them that much, man. Right. Why'd you do this? But again, it's, it's one of those things that if that's the mindset, and he says like, I was hired for seven weeks. I was down there 16 weeks. It was a mess. It was over budget. If that's where you're at, it does not show in the final product. It, it you really make me feel it. like they you live this. They don't feel like they were miserable. They no. don't feel like they were checked out. Nobody does in the cast. But I'm again, like, that's what booze does to you. Well, and that's what I'm saying, dude. Is I, I I would love to. This is maybe one of those sets where it's like, dude, if you could be a fly on the wall, maybe that's of the course. one to pick. Because I'm just so curious, like. Are we seeing, like, the 97th take of, like, a crazy, like, dictatorial director who's just like, do it until it's perfect. It's a husband or, and wife duo, I and they never talk well. to yeah. each other. Yes. That, uh, yeah. 
Again, I, so I uncovered a, a, an old Entertainment Tonight clip where Bob Hoskins was like, "Were they? They were the Max Headroom people? Is that I right? I believe so. Yeah, that's what their prior. Credits I think so. Were. But okay. the the ET clip I, I looked up on YouTube was basically Bob Hoskins being like, you know, I basically was like, it did my own stunts. Like I kind of talked myself into the into this and into that. And I wound up doing everything on set because I wanted to be like, I wanted to do it. And I shouldn't have. I got really banged up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, he hurt his hand. And he's like, I'm from the streets. But like, I can't do what he does. And he's doing backflips, all the stuff. I never had to do backflips before. I just, you know, but I really, you know, Bob Hoskins is amazing. Like, just watch a baby Lucas Zamba with just a baby little mustache. Mm-hmm. It's It was great. Where, I mean, they go, they escape. They got to or do excuse the me, there's the devolved chamber sequence right. and everything where... They turn Toad the, into a Toad. Yes. Essentially. And as soon as he popped up, Veronica was like, oh, I remember now. <laughs> she was like, this is the best part of the movie. Like, this guy. She's like, honestly, you, you could leave all that other stuff. She was like, that guy is so cute. Like, <laughs> that that version of Toad. And I was like, yeah, dude, I forgot. He gets the harmonica mm-hmm. later on. Like, dude. Yeah. So awesome. That's one of the things that, like, but that should not work for a kid. This is giant, towering, scaly-headed dinosaur man with a weird, crazy, like, smile and teeth. But somehow I was like, he's cute as hell. He's a fun guy. I want to yeah. hang out with him. He's got a harmonica. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know? Yeah. Look at him giving Daisy food. Like, he, he, he brings her the nice so again, food. Very interesting choice to make them enormously tall with tiny heads. Of course, because they're like big-headed mushrooms with tiny feet in the video game. And he's not going to stomp on them. They can't do that. Right. So what's more intimidating? They used to be dinosaurs. Now they're humans. We de-evolve them back to dinosaurs. They'll just be the Goombas. That's that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, makes makes as much sense as if you were like, and Koopa, who should be Bowser, waves his magic wand and creates all of these things. Right. Like, you know. I, the, the, I love the escape. I love the... Ba- the yeah, ban- they get out. They, somehow they end up in the desert. But the, the, the We haven't really talked about the fungus. Trust the fungus. Trust the fungus, yes. Hashtag trust the fungus. Right. It's helping them out the whole time. Secretly. Didn't realize this until this watch. Fucking Lance Henriksen? Yeah, you didn't... Re- yes! You did. I never... The did, He's the king! Did not know he was the king. Yeah. Until I watched it this time and I was doing my, my very... I, short comb through reasons. you would think that if this had the backing of nintendo they would have called koopa bowser and they would have just made lance herkinson king koopa right. the good guy right because i don't remember I, I i don't remember there being a ton of text he was referred to as bowser in super mario brothers right or was it koopa? i'm pretty sure but don't I, quote me on yeah, any of this i have no idea we owned a snes and we have owned a, a cube Snez, a Cube, Wii. and a Wii. And, a and that's pretty Switch. much where, where it, you have a Switch. And a 64, obviously, yeah. Well, of course, a 64. Yeah. How dare I? I mean, that's, I mean, as much as I love the old school Marios, because we had the, the collection. Oh, the yeah. Super, Super Mario All-Stars, yeah. Um, by far, 64 was the thing I spent the most time Of with. course. I mean, that was incredible. Of course. Didn't they have, like, a remake of it out now? To, or some... I think so. Some updated version? I don't know. I kind of want to get a Switch just to play a Mario game because it's been so long. It's fun. And they're, they're perfection. They're just, yeah. like, 
pixel perfect. I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I think um, they've all been updated on their like Nintendo has that store you can just download whatever from right. emulator or whatever. Maybe I'll get a Switch because you know that PS5 is elusive, further, very elusive. Further away. Yeah. Anyways, the escape's fun. Um, there's some castle hijinks. There's the reveal of like they've been kidnapping all these women, which has been set up earlier. Daisy's one of them. They've been trying. to It's find. all just because no, it's just because Spike and Iki are just dumb. Right, because they, they can't find the ring. <laughs> yeah, they just can't find them. Yes. And instead of being, because here's the thing. If you just, oh, you're not her? Okay, if they if you just shove her back through the portal and like, this happened, no one's going to believe you. Right. But yeah. if you leave them there in this universe, eventually it's going to become enough of a problem that people are going to be like, all right, we need Where to like women? figure out what's going on. Right. And if it wasn't for, you know, these two plumbers, you know, going above and beyond the call of duty... All he had to do was just come down there and just, you know, turn back that rent. I love when he's asking him for tools. Hand. He pulls him up. And then, you know, they get hit over the head by Iggy and Spike. And Daisy, you know, they wake up and Daisy's long gone. But if it wasn't for the intervention of those two, who knows how many women would have wound up in this alternate dimension? To the point that we for, we do forget to tell you, they do kidnap Mario's girlfriend. Of course. So they so do. Gotta st- have du- we gotta have double stakes. Well, that, but also then you get the whole like you gotta rescue, you gotta storm the castle and like rescue the princess. Exactly. But they both get princesses. He he just gets Daniela his girl back. Yeah, and because Luigi I thought, gets. That I, I assume was the other complaint at the time, which is just like, why is Luigi like the the young strapping like hero who gets a love interest, and Mario's like his older brother, and it's like, who can who gives shit? Right. Like, were you so tied to the continuity of Princess Peach and like all of this yes. stuff? I'm just like, guys, what are we talking about at right. this at this point when this movie was made? Exactly. Like, I just where are you? Where what are you doing? What are you thinking? Yes. Like and I and that's the thing. But I get at the and that's my thing is like from an outsider perspective, if I came in being like skeptical of video game movies, I feel like as a critic, I probably would have been impressed by. The sheer creativity of it. What a weird fucking movie. What a weird concept. Yeah. And like, it kind of hangs together and is fun. But I get also if it's, you're like, you have this pre-programmed thing of like, video games, those are for kids. This is a kid's movie. And then you see this, you're just like, does not compute. What did they do here? It's automatically trash. It's bad. But think about how, the amount of nostalgia that came out when we put this up as your pick. This was the runaway winner. Everybody voted for Super Mario Brothers. And some people even point out, they're like, it doesn't get talked about enough. And I think they meant it in a positive. It constantly gets brought up on bad movie podcasts. Right. And it's easy to have fun with, like, poking holes in all of this. But I just, like, I think it's actually a super creative movie that manages to hang together, has a pretty coherent three-act structure, has some... It doesn't have any like grander themes in it, other than the core that unites us on all of these nostalgic picks at some level. It's about brothers. Yeah, it's about fucking brothers working together. Yeah, and being there for each other and and unlike, up. And, and what and, and unlike the tropes of today, they never have a fallout. They never have a fight. They never sleep with each other's wives. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but like, there's no that there's maybe like one scene where they're arguing a little bit. But they never get split up. They, they get, don't even really have that in this movie. No. There's no... There's no... They argue about what... Should we get the tunnel? Like, they do the fake out with the... Take the parkway. Perfect, perfect. What? It's like, I knew if I said the parkway, you'd choose the tunnel. <laughs> you know? So, like, there's... And it's like Bob Hoskins being I like... I good feeling about this. Murder. I just... I, Legwizamo. But it's Bob Hoskins being like, this is fucking bad shit. 
this is a bad shit Alice of Wonderland trip we're on. What are we doing here? And Link was almost like, dude, just go with it. The fungus is trying to help us. We get get your girl. Like they don't even know his girls in there. It's like we just right. we get Daisy. We get out of here. They know they need the rock. They end up in the club. There's the whole Bertha sequence. We got the the heel clicker boots. Oh yes. Um, which are, those are kind of like the you know this is a power up. Now yeah. You guys can kind of fly. Now you can jump like you're supposed to stuff. in this game. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it kind. It kind of works, guys. Culmin- I'm culminating, just Noah. It culminating. Works here. If you want to argue, this is just a big, big, big commercial for the Super Nintendo Super Scope. Because that is all that is. Oh, 100%. That, the I Super forgot. Scope that they come I, out with at the last little bit. You, dude. I completely forgot that De-evolution they guns. that into yes. the third act of this the, movie. Those are the de evolution guns. Yes. And they hit that. that de- advanced. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, you know, so, and, the, you know, they, we, we forgot about, like, the, um, oh, what is it? What is it? Is it Mario on the, on the sliders of Luigi? Who takes them on the mattress? And, like, they freeze the tunnel or whatever. They freeze the shit, and then, like, they break them open. It's, it's Mario. It's all of them on the thing, or is it just? I think it's all of them, I thought. I thought it was all of them are, like, you know, either. Or it's two separate mattress. I forget. I thought maybe, and it's bad because I literally just watched it like a week ago. I thought like Daisy and, and Leguizamo were somewhere else and Mario went to go get Daniela. And like they're being, it's like they come in to save the day because like they burst through the grate with all the girls on there. Yes. You know, he, he sticks the wrench in to fuck the, the Goombas up that are following him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who wouldn't want to get up there? If, right. this, before- if this movie was a hundred million dollar winner, I guarantee you. The giant frozen shoot with a mattress is a ride somewhere. It has oh, to be. Yeah. You know? For sure. It's, and I, I thought that was so cool yeah. when I was a kid, for sure. Of course. They have the moment as well when it's... I love that they stop in the midst of like what seems like a climax that's ramping up and it's like, we got a ticking clock sort of situation going here. I love that they're like, we're going to do it like Mario's. Yes. And I guess that apparently means in uniform. Uh, yeah. So they go suit up. In, in in plumber uniforms that are just available for that are coveralls? just sitting there. I'm like, who in this, this world, world wears this? Is wearing this? Yes, that's what I <laughs> want to know. But okay, I love that it's color coded for you guys. You kind of been wearing these colors all all movie. Yeah, I love that. Like when the Goombas are coming for him, Big Bertha's like, okay, like I'll help you out, you know, and like put the cartridge in. They do this, they do that, and then it's like click your heels, heels together. together. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like this. You could. The this is a Wizard of like, Oz. You see her kind of like she seems scary from afar initially, and she's kinda... she throws that old woman over the over. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yes, that's how they meet her. But yeah, so she seems super intimidating. But the the transit and of course she decks Mario. There's that whole sequence, and but the transition to like, but then they dance together and like he steals there's the rock some romance, her. and you're like. Is he going to end up leaving with her? Like, does he even care about his girl? He, like, doesn't, he doesn't know his business. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Which um, leads me to believe, even though he's a good stand-up guy, Mario, if Daniela wasn't there, what happens in this dimension stays in this dimension. Possibly. Possibly. For sure. Trust you, the fungus. Trust the say. fungus. He would make sure that, you know, if there's any pipes need cleaning, he'll he'll handle he'll it. He'll take care of it. Yes. I've, 100%. I wondered if we were going to get one in before. I've, I had to. <laughs> this I, just, I had over. to. Uh so yeah, dude, they they devolve, they fucking save the day. Love those plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> Who? 
There's so, some great, there's some dude, great just that, deliveries. That there's it, the dude. kind of stuff that you can't bottle where I'm just like, I don't know that this plays for everybody. The but fact they're that just Herkinson is a, Henriksen is a, is a giant booger that yes. like he comes up and out of whatever that backwards <laughs> alien shit is. But the fungus is sentient enough to know they're plumbers to like the first thing he says, like, oh my God, that was terrible. Love those plumbers. Like, what? (laughs) What? And I love the fact that they're instantly like scrubbing down the Koopa signs as they're all celebrating. Yes. It's amazing, dude. Like, what a. You cannot. For. Listen, I challenge anybody first to master time travel and then go back in time to 19. Was it 90? It's 90 or 93. Yes. Go back to 1993. Or 92, presumably. 92, yeah. Go back to 1992 when this gets pitched. Somehow, you know, replace the directors and make a better first ever video game movie. Because this kicks it off. And not even two years later, we have one of the better ones that has stood up to me over the test of time with Mortal Kombat in in 95. The next big one I can think of after that is going to be the Laura Croft series, which, for what they were, they're all right. And then you get into Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And then you have a slew of, like, Yule Bowl, like, random, you know, let's just make them... Movies we yeah. would rather forget. Far Cry, kind of Blood Rain, all this kind of stuff. don't exist. Yeah. yeah. And then from then, though, I mean, you get to last year, which we talked about. You, you put out a Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, and the internet reacts, and they hate it. Mm-hmm. And for that studio to have the mindset of, all right, I hear you. Give me a minute. How do you like this? And for that movie to be what it was, I, I can only... You can't talk about Sonic the Hedgehog being a great movie that it was. It was, it, for me, you know, coming from Super Mario Brothers, Sonic is right there on the other side with Sega as their, like, main dude. Right. And... For this to be that launching pad, I can't imagine what someone who is my age, when I saw Super Mario Brothers, watching Sonic, and how much fun they get to have with that, right. from a just a good movie standpoint. Not the not to talk about like just all the things going on with it, what it could be, whatever, whatever. Just like you you can't you can't have video game movies like you have them now with something that is I I would give Sonic it would be in my top ten had I watched it, you know when I should have like you can't do that now without having the Super Mario Brothers the Mortal Kombat's the Tomb Raiders the Resident Evil's and all the ones we won't talk about so I don't know where you go from here in terms of you were talking about what we would want to see but yeah I guess you want to get you want to get into like favorites now oh real quick they save the day (laughs) they come back in you think they're fine. They're talking about them on Miraculous World. They de-evolve Scapelli into a chimp. It's wild. Yes. And, um, you know, essentially, you know, everything's all good. And as much as Luigi's like, oh, you know, it sucks. You're kind of leaving, going back to your own world. Not even, it could be probably like next weekend, she comes back in all like war-torn and like steam's coming off from behind her. She's got this vest. I was like, you got to come back with me. And they just kind of look at each other like, all right. And then we, it's the sequel we never got. It's that dude. It's those. It's those John Carpenter endings that we yes, love, dude. Just it's like perfect. show me the next ten minutes of this movie. Yes. Where's it going? And dude, I'm not gonna. We're gonna need to talk about something really specific. I'm sure it's been done in other movies. This is the first post-credit mm-hmm. teaser that and I can ever? think of ever in a movie. 
That's interesting. I can think. I mean, you know, there's, I, there's, there may be a better one somewhere earlier than this, but this, from my knowledge, I can't think of any other one where the credits have def- rolled. Definitely look that up. And at you some get, point. but you, I think you might be on something. There. Fisher Stevens, you get Iggy and Spike pitching, pitching the Super the Koopa Super, Koopa What would you call this? The Super Koopa Cousins. What I'm assuming what is I'm assuming is the Nintendo no, board, right? Yeah. So not only is it meta, yes. you you honestly, if this movie was made now, being what we do with superhero movies and video game movies, you know that's where that's going. Is like, well, let's spin them off. Like we'll get we we'll get like two good right. movies out of this, but let's put this in the back pocket for later. If we're gonna make the Mario universe, we gotta have Spike and Iggy's own thing. Yeah, we gotta have the adventures of um, Toad and Yoshi and yeah. everybody. We didn't even talk about Yoshi. Yeah, interesting choice, but you know. yeah, they they, they could have made him green. I'm just saying. Yeah, they could. That was a thought. Maybe yeah. maybe you make him green. I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, uh, yeah, had a ton of fun with it. Glad everybody suggested that one. If you were if you picked it because you were hoping we were gonna like shit talk it. Sorry to Jokes disappoint. on you, motherfucker. Yes. Super Mario <laughs> Brothers, uh, great. Holds up as far as Hell we're yes. concerned. Total blast. Uh, but yes, so do you have a favorite yes. video game movie that comes to mind? And then do you have a game that you want to see adapted? Uh, my favorite video game movie that comes to mind, if I'm going to be honest, really, it. even though you have the Mary Sue in there, I really, really, really dig the second Resident Evil, Resident Evil Apocalypse that digs into the RE3 mm-hmm. Raccoon City, like ties those two in. I've always been kind of eh with the fact that they, and again, I can appreciate that it's it's all trying to be its own franchise, its own thing adjacent from the video games. I don't know how much of that is Capcom being like, hell no, you can't have the film rights to, you know, Leon, Chris and Jill, whatever. But I guess as they start making more and more money, Capcom's like, all right, well, you know, for a small fee, you can have a Chris Redfield or whatever. And that franchise has a lot of like problems with it towards the back end. But coming off of a really successful first movie and Resident Evil being what it was to, you know, the second one, which is everything but amped up, all the promise that I get from the end of the first Resident Evil is there in Apocalypse. If I had to pick, that's probably my favorite video game movie that they've made thus far. I can't think of any other ones really. I mean, you know. That just kind of hit me on that mark. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Resident Evil is my favorite franchise. Right. Um, and this isn't my favorite pick. This isn't the pick by any means. But if I had my way, I would make them go back and make a true-to-form, sticking-to-the-canon Resident Evil with the stars team, Chris, Jill, Barry, all that. I heard an interesting take, and I'll shout this out. But they were talking—it was a Mortal Kombat review episode so on one of the Ringer podcasts. Mm-hmm. And— they were talking about the worst video game movies and they, you know, tried to suggest good ones, et cetera. But they got into talking about the Resident Evil movie franchise Mm -hmm. and how, while it's not like a strict adaptation of the lore of those games, Mm -hmm. tonally, it is, their their argument was essentially like, Paul W.S. Anderson is hitting the tone of the cutscenes of a Resident Evil yes. game, which are ridiculous yes. and over the top and a little campy. Four, and five, and that. six, yes. Yeah. And I can appreciate that because at this well, point... They, the thing they pointed out was they were like, no, think about the pre-roll footage of the original game, the like the intro video. And oh, how yeah, everybody live action. cheesy, yeah, yeah, that is. They're like, that's essentially the tone of those movies right. blown up over time. 
And I was like, well, that's actually a weird thing of thinking about. Like, they've informed each other. To the point that you have a you have a laser room in the games now, Mm -hmm. you know, which makes sense. And to me, my really my only complaint would be keep everybody from that franchise out of your movies. Just take again. I can't say that honestly and do and and like Apocalypse because there are plenty of characters from Jill to Carlos to the Nemesis, all that. Like, you know, that's great. But moving forward from Raccoon City, if you're going to go with like you know, Alice has these crazy mind powers. Don't give me anybody else from the games. Just make everybody their own thing. Like when Lyndon Ashby showed up as a dude in there, I'm like, he's not in any of these games, but I buy it. Yeah, cool. He can be in it. Cool. I don't care. Oh, it's gone worldwide now. They're not like just in cities. It's like the whole world is fucking crazy now. All right, cool. It's it's post-apocalyptic zombie now. What are we doing? Yeah. Just don't bring in anybody else from this, this storied canon of video games and run all over the place. Go for it. Um, but if I had to make one, I would make a... I that was your pick, but okay. No, no, no. <laughs> if I ahead. could make one right now, carte blanche with the budget, do whatever I want, I am making a Tenchu Stealth Assassin video game movie. I think that's an excellent choice. Just, I, I have to. I don't know. I get, obviously, I get a really, really, really talented unknown. I mean, you're more likely... To see a Ghost of Tsushima right. movie at this point. Just for cultural mindshare, I don't know if Tenchu has enough name recognition it doesn't. to get a straight adaptation. No, it doesn't. And I mean, that pretty much Tenchu has gone the way of, uh, ooh, what is it, the one that just came out that's Dark Souls-like? Um, Seppu Sekiro? Sekiro? Yeah. Like, that team from Tenchu made that one, and then some of them obviously made... Ghost of Tsushima, which has all the elements of Tenchu and I love, but it's that core story of an orphan samurai with like a code to his his master, you know, the female samurai who like, you know, doesn't know her place in society, but is also like, this is just what she kills. And that game playing both a male and female campaign, it's weird that games don't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like you had a male female campaign on Tenchu and Resident Evil. And both of the events of those storylines informed the other in separate ways. It, it made it worth playing through twice, you know, to the point that, like, at the end, if you're playing her, okay, well, you fought all this time and, and nobody, you, you saved the girl. Nobody's really done it in film form yet. There's episodes of television that right. do it, but it's like, it would be really cool to, like, see a, a Resident Evil 2 comes to mind, but literally, like, hey, first movie, here's Claire, like, you know, or Jill, no, Claire. Claire Claire's in the second a, one, Jill in the first one. Right. Yes. And then that's the whole movie played end to end. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously you're shooting the Leon version. Right. And that comes out six months later. Yeah. And then on DVD, you pair them together or you do an ultimate cut that interweaves the two stories mm-hmm. and you got a different a third bite at the apple. Right. I think it could be really cool. I mean, didn't we? I mean, we've already. And the thing is, we've already come to the point where we can do something like Bandersnatch, and, where you can pick me, and choose. Fair, they are rebooting Resident Evil as we speak. You are Mo- aware of this, the movie franchise. There, yes, and and it is meant to be much more faithful, from what I understand. And nobody the from the previous the, stuff is attached to it. From everything I have seen, no. Okay, good. It is. They're they're giving it a, another go. You know, and you know what? You don't even have to make more movies, dude. You can make Resident Evil the first the events of the first thing a, a 6 7 8 8 long miniseries. 
They have tons of animated movies out already. I don't need you to give me more movies. You could break it down. I think there's a way to do... I think there's a way to take four as inspiration. Yeah. And not do a straight adaptation. Not even that it has to be Leon. Mm -hmm. But that concept of just like, dude in a foreign country, sent on a, like, kind of a classic action movie task of like... It's the president's daughter, right? Yes. Yeah. I got to get the president's daughter back. And you don't even have to make it that high stakes. Yeah. Because I feel like those sort of things are less and less believable. Just, no, just make, the it, the, era, make but... it the company you work for. And you don't know the company name. Oh, the company happens to be Umbrella Incorporated. Sure. Boom. But that whole, just like arriving in that village, there's something up with the townsfolk. Okay, I really don't know what's going on here. And then stumbling into the deeper like lore of Salazar and like all of that yes. stuff. I feel like... But doesn't even have to be connected to the video game. I'm just saying, I think that would be a cool action horror movie. Right. If just done with that plot line, essentially. Mm-hmm. But don't even, you don't even have to call it Resident Evil. You call it Biohazard, for all like, I care. Yeah, call it, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, But yeah, Tenchu, I would get a, a really solid, like, somebody who's produced, like, beautiful, beautiful, like, art house style stuff. Because I would want to incorporate, like, just the imagery I remember from that game. And, like, it, I mean, no one's gone back and touched it up. It's kind of lost the time, but it is, like, one of my favorite games of all time. I played that over and over that summer we spent in North Carolina. Yeah. And, like, I watched The Professional a lot as I was playing that. So I was in this weird, like, I could totally be an assassin right. for, like, a whole <laughs> summer. And then I was like, I know I can't do that. Like, it's not going to happen. I, I, I can't speak French. I never even shot a gun. What am I gonna do? And you're like, and you eventually discover that like most actual assassins and hitmen look like the guy who Leon was killing in the opening oh, yes, of the professional, yes, yes. not yes. like genre. <laughs> Richard, yeah, the guy that uh, Shannon plays, Richard. K- yes, Kuklinski. they look like that. They, they look, look like, like the yeah. Iceman. Yes, that's what they look like. Or um, or what's his face from uh, Black Mass? Yeah. Uh, he's in the movie. You, your favorite movie. This last year, what? Plemons. Oh yes, like, they look like Jesse Plemons yeah. from Black Mask. That's what they. Or look from like. Breaking Bad for that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, there's no beauty. <laughs> I, movie wise, like just sheer quality. I think I gotta go Silent Hill. Yeah, like stands as just a solid horror movie. I wasn't crazy about the sequel, but it's honestly like not it's still one of the better. Video game adaptation. Looking, yes. Yes. I don't like story. that they jumble all the bits and pieces of the story from 1, 2, and yeah. 3. But looking why And the only problem I have with Silent Hill is Pyramid Head. I just don't... What about him? I don't think you need to put him in the movie because it has nothing to do with that story. I know, but it's it's iconic to the... And I think I think that first one was made with a thing that we, we talked about the most recent Mortal Kombat benefited from was confidence in like we're gonna get to do more of these i feel like that first silent hill movie is very kitchen sink and like we want to get as much iconography from the games smushed in here as possible right because we may not get to do it again it has that energy to it so yeah i agree that that the pyramid head angle doesn't fully like make sense but it's also like if it hadn't been in there that's some of the you know some of the creepiest imagery that some of what like is effective scare wise in that movie. And we're, uh, we're, we're, but we're together and united on this, that like, we're saying this, but we ultimately agree that like 
Double Dragon is the best video game movie <laughs> oh, ever made, my right? Jo- I, I totally messed up. My joke was I was going to straight face tell you that Max Payne is actually my favorite. And I was going to be completely joking because what you guys had a layup to just you yeah. had a, a perfect alley-oop to just slam dunk a movie mm-hmm. and you shit the bed completely. Yes. What a terrible adaptation. Yes. You could have done a shot-for-shot shot adaptation of that video game in the tone and style of it. That's the other thing is I was like... You could have been Sin City before was Sin like, City was Sin City. you're just a few years away from Sin City. You couldn't have looked to that for inspiration? Like, oh, yeah, it is hell? after that. Yeah. Just complete missed opportunity. Terrible casting. Um, Marky Mark was not on his best day and to be frank I'm sorry Mila Kunis does not make sense as Mona Sachs it just didn't no, work not at I all. love Mila Kunis did not work no. in that movie uh, we also agree that Street Fighter is one of the best as well right <laughs> yeah Rahulia's last performance uh, Street Fighter is a, definitely another nostalgia soft spot but that is one that I can also look at and be like this is shit but it is enjoyable shit yes that is a bad movie though That is oh very, it's fucking terrible very bad movie Compared to Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat it looks like Citizen Kane compared to Street Fighter the movie. Well, I think Mortal Kombat did it took it took a lot of inspiration. Like God, that was shit because Mortal Kombat's a year after it. So we so it goes Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Combat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I see. I thought Combat beat them to the punch, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I see all what right, you we did can't there. do better than that. <laughs> That's a great um, way to end it. Well, what? What what video game would you want to make into a I mean, movie? This is literally this is so juvenile, but I just, and it's like the I don't getaway. Know, I don't know why I want to like keep him in this like box that I've formed for him in my head, but I'm like, but dude, you like play into the image every time that you announce a new project. I'm like, this is how I see you, and this is what I want you to do. But it's very simple. I just want Hotline Miami, the movie mm-hmm. directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Okay. Tell the exact same story as those games. Do it. Like, literally tell it verbatim. The plot that is in those games is the most surreal, violent, crazy, action-packed, fantastic game I've ever played. I love both of those. But you do the first one outright, it's probably going to get an NC-17, I would imagine. But, you know, it's going to happen. You release the unrated cut on home video. Um, And... And then you have a perfect setup for two, which goes... Did you play through both of those? No. They were... The gameplay itself, I feel like you would eventually get hooked on and you'd get sucked into it. Even though, from a gameplay perspective, it's really not for you. It's like a top-down? It's a a, top-down... Like a GTA 2, 1, 2? Yes, but on crack cocaine. It is like so fast-paced, it's one-hit kills. If you get shot, you're dead. And it's all, it's, it's a Twitch shooter essentially, but in top down format. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, like, you will get addicted to trying to get like a high score. And it's one of those, the reset is like immediate. So it's like, if you get killed, you can jump back immediately. The best soundtrack to any video game period. You will absolutely love it. And just from a story perspective, dude, it is, li- it's like, People, at, at the time, people were like, this is like if David Lynch directed Drive. Okay. So, that's why I say get NWR to direct it, obviously. It's totally in his wheelhouse. But yeah, dude, you have got to play those games. I don't know I like. I don't know why I haven't yelled at you about them for 
forever. You would absolutely love them. They're the most, the first one in particular is the most 80s thing like ever. But again, 80s mixed with the aesthetic of like Drive and a fucked up David Lynch nightmare version of like humanity. It's, it's, it's the best. Those are my favorite games in recent memory. One and two. Um, With like Metal Gear 5 up there as well. But that's probably my favorite game of all time. Speaking of which, I hope that movie is good. I I hope it is. I really hope that movie is good. I do too. And everything I've heard from the director, he's like, Americanizing this, quote unquote, blockbusterizing this would be pointless. He was like, I, like, Kojima's a genius. I want to bring that level of sincere, committed weirdness. Yes. That this franchise has always had. I want to bring that into a mega budget action thriller for American audiences. I want to bring in that, that thing that probably holds a lot of people back from fully engaging with some of his games and like finishing death stranding for instance and stuff like that. But I, they, they seem like their heads are in the right place. I think Oscar Isaac is a fantastic choice for snake. I still think he should have been Nathan Drake before he was snake, but you know, whatever Tom Holland, I guess I'm reserving judgment. I have semi high hopes for that one comes out later this year. If I'm not mistaken. The, uh, the Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. As young Nathan Drake. I don't know why he needs to be young. I don't know why we're starting from there. Well, I, I think am glad it's not Marky Mark, because that I think was originally who it was supposed to games be. Games are so cinematic now that you have to do something to like distance yourself from them. So making it younger would play into, if you give me a story as a younger Nathan Drake, then I can go play these games and be like, Connective tissue. I mean, there is young Nate in the games. There's flashback sequences in yeah. there. So it's, I don't know. I'm interested to see what they do with it. I think it has the highest chance to be really solid, but I also am like, I, and they're doing the HBO version of The Last of Us. I personally, why the fuck do you want to adapt the best storytellers in the medium? Like, I think that's an arguable personally, and you can debate me with like RPGs or something else you want to throw at me, but I think Naughty Dog are the best cinematic oh, storytellers yeah, 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 yeah. in video games right now. To the point where I was like, what's so special about The Last of Us was like, that game ended on a note that, to me, you could never do in a movie or on television. They just would not let you do that. Right. And it does it and it has the balls to do it, and it ends... I'm not even talking about, like, the climax. I'm talking about literally the last seconds of that game is just a tone and a moment you would never be able to have as the end point in any other medium. Right. And that's why it's so powerful. And the idea of trying to adapt, the again, the sincerity and the gravitas of that game, I would be scared to attempt to do it because... But I, there's also a huge portion of the population that does not play any of this shit. Right. And, well, see, that's my thing is, like, if if we're going to get to the point where, like, we are, you know, glitching the Matrix and we can jack into a, a you know, whatever game in the future, whatever, this is going to be the blending of the medium. You're going to have to figure out a way to have people who are, like, 
Well, those are you playing with your no, I don't a controller, whatever, you know. In order to get to, you know, the back to the future we wanted, would you ever play that with your hands? It's like a baby's, <laughs> baby's toy. toy. You know? Like in order to get to that, we're Shut gonna fuck up, Frodo. My face, dude. <laughs> what? It's Elijah Wood. That is Frodo. It's like a baby's toy. Yeah, forget about that. I don't know if he has the line or the other kid has the line. Yeah. But he's in the scene. Yeah. Know. But like in order to get there, you're gonna have to be able to show him because you're saying I wouldn't want to attempt it. If that is what it is, if I get the chance to do that, I'm going balls with the wall. I'm trying to make it stick because there's an off chance that it does work and they do let you do that. And you say, no, you hired me to adapt this game. This is what is in this game. Watch it. You can see all the clips on YouTube. Watch how it ends. You don't have the investment because you haven't played it. But guess what? You watch what I've given you and you will have the closest thing to having an investment having not sat down and played this thing all the way through. Mm-hmm. And if I can deliver on that, then guess what? Any other kind of game that's on that level, people will realize, hey, okay, there is an interactive element to this, to caring, but these games are already so cinematic, they kind of write themselves. That, well, the, to the point where I'm like, why is the instinct to adapt the ones that are already trying to be movies, essentially? Right. Why, like Because life but, imitates art, Noah. But I understand. Also, it's like Last of Us 2 is one of the most profitable games and one of the biggest games on the PS4. It makes sense to, like, that franchise has been a critical darling in a way that, like, video games have constantly been trying to break through to that other level or be accepted or whatever that even means by the world at large or... or movies or whatever and, other well, like, mediums we want to here's my about, thing but. the thing that i don't understand if you want to do that and you're trying to adapt these things there's a whole series that like lends itself to that that's perfect it's call of duty you literally Which could take it been struggling to do an adaptation of right. for like a decade now exactly yeah. you literally pull it out of first you, you know what hardcore henry it make it all first person if you have to but you put me in the seat of a guy going through those missions and you tell a a pretty neat i mean my whole thing that why i love modern warfare was okay yeah online just before i even played online video games was the story behind like oh here's this guy who like it, like when um when you get double crossed by the general and it's like oh he's double crossing you because four years ago in the first game there was a nuke that got dropped on his own men in the desert well, I played that part of that story. Right. He's double-crossing you to make it look like it's your unit that's <laughs> fucking up. And you're like, oh, my God, crazy shit, right? To the point that the third one is like, okay, we've been fully invaded by people. And we're gonna. it's like Wolverines. We got we to gotta fight back on our own soil. You telling me that you couldn't make a movie out of that in 120 minutes of a story that spans like that. With one good, I mean, it, you got Ryan Reynolds, you got Tr- Krasansky, you got Pratt. You couldn't do that in either a first-person formula or, like, you know, just stuck with him most of the thing. Like, do a do a 19, uh, 1917 modern day. Yeah. No, no, no. 1917, just like that. Follow the one dude okay. through this one specific turning point battle of an overall war. If you want to take a cut, you cut to a cutscene flashback whatever of how we got to where we're at and then you end the movie and that's that if the mission's successful they win the day if it's not we don't know and you you 
hey, did he get there in time or did he not? And then you're done. And if you want to know, you got to come back for a sequel. It's that simple. So get on it, yeah. studio people. Okay. I think we can table that. We definitely will have more video game movies to discuss in the right. future. But that was a review of Super Mario Brothers. Yes. So that means it's time to take a listen to the trailer for Michael Clayton. Michael, thank God. Look, I, I, I got a situation. Mike, where's that room? Arthur Edens just stripped down naked in a deposition room in Milwaukee. You are the senior litigating partner of one of the largest, most respected law firms in the world. You are a legend. I'm an accomplice! You're a manic depressive. I am Shiva, the god of death. I'm Michael Clayton. You're late. This is a $3 billion class action lawsuit. The architect of our defense has been arrested for running naked through a parking lot. He's building the case against you, North. Nobody's going to let him do that. Let him? Who the hell's going to stop him? I spent 12% of my life defending the reputation of a deadly weed killer. Arthur. No, wait. They killed the Michael. You North needs to know he's under control. They've been shook up. They need to be reassured. What are you telling me? That I'm counting on you. He didn't want to say exactly what it was. Just that it was something that would win the whole case. I'm not the enemy. Then who are you? you got all these cops thinking you're a lawyer. Then you got all these lawyers thinking you're some kind of cop. You got everybody fooled, don't you? You know exactly what you want. You gotta saddle up here, Michael, and get things under control. What if Arthur was on to something? Do you know Michael Clayton? We have a situation. Stay in the car, lock the door. What would they do if he went public? Arthur, open the door. What would they do? They're doing it. Freeze! Who called it in? Does that make sense to you? This happening? This like never that. happened. Get out. Get out of the car now. I'm not the guy that you kill. I'm the guy that you buy. Are you so blind you don't even see what I am? Do I look like I'm negotiating? Brother, do I look like I'm negotiating? <laughs> um... I, again, completely forgot this was your first time mm-hmm. with what I think is one of the best movies of the last two decades, one of my favorite movies of all time. I've just I've just been picking straight straight jams for myself, personally, yeah. for most of this year so far. Mm-hmm. Michael Clayton, from the best year of movies in my lifetime, arguably, yeah. technically 99s in my lifetime, we could have a debate 99 versus 2007. And I'd be up for that debate if you ever want to do it. Yeah. That might be a fun pairing. That would be a neat one. Uh, to go by years now. Like we did, the, the two by two is like we... It's a thought. We could talk like next year. We talk decades. Like, you know, we pick a random deck, a, a random year and we do, you know... 19- two by two retro reviews, battle of the decades. Yeah. Battle that... We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. If you pick 2017, you got to go 1977. If you pick 2007, you got to go 1987. And the 90s is just all by itself. Like it just it's the most cynical. It's on its own. It's on its own. Okay. It stands on its own merits of like, "Oh my god, look at this." All right. So, we compare the 90s to now if we want. We could do that. We could definitely do that. Uh it's 2007. This was an Oscar contender, overshadowed by some uh some more 
high-profile movies, if you will, mm-hmm. and arguably more memorable for a lot of people. But I feel like for a certain amount of of people, this this one has maybe stood the test of time better than others from that year. I'm not going to retroactively say it's the best. To remind you, it's in the class of movies like No Country for Old Men, which, in fact, one best picture. There Will Be Blood. Zodiac. I just named three of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Uh, Once is also this year. A little stealth favorite of mine. This is the year of uh, Juno. This is the year of End of the Wild, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah. Uh, Just a a lot of great stuff to see. Great, great year for cinema. Agreed. And a very modern movie in Michael Clayton that is indebted to a lot of 70s thrillers mm-hmm. and i was not fully in my my 70s movie mode when i when i saw this at age 16 on a nice like wednesday afternoon in the middle of the damn week with one of my one of my very best friends mr barham williams who might be listening to this episode so shout out to barham we went and checked this one out after school this this was one of the best movie going years we've ever had but there was a moment when he and I turned to each other about like, you know, 20 minutes into this and then another one about 20 minutes after that where we were consistently just like, dude, this is fucking really good. Like, this is a good movie. And then we went and had Central Park hamburgers afterwards and we talked about it for about an hour because we were pretty floored. You know what else we did that year? What's that? We did the back-to-back double feature, Grindhouse. Planet Terror, Grindhouse Death as well. Rape. I'm just going through all the shit from 20, 2007, and I'm just like, holy shit. That was a lot in what one year. Grindhouse 2006 in my in my mind? I don't know, but it's definitely got Death Proof coming out here as 2007. Alright. Maybe they released it on its own in 2007, I don't okay. know how that works. but Continue, so you have a list right now? I mean, yeah, like you got Spider-Man 3, you got all the ones <laughs> you're missing. You got, yeah, I got Spider-Man 3. You got Halloween... You got Disturbia, Noah. Disturbia. Yeah. Uh, the, nah, that's not a good one. Super bad. Uh, one nobody saw, but Sunshine. Sunshine. Do we have an Oceans movie that year? Did we I, get thirteen that year? I think we did. You know what was really funny? You see it on HBO Max how they like ask people their list. They oh, put yeah. Shaq up there. He oh, had okay. Oceans thirteen, not Oceans eleven or Oceans twelve. Shaq had Oceans thirteen. Well, maybe it's there. only what's available on the. Cer- service at the time maybe 11 and 12 weren't on there the but moment. yeah maybe well if they give him the list of it to be like oh maybe okay. he's a big pacino head and he prefers 13 out maybe he things. does you got 28 weeks later maybe he's like i love vincent cassell but only only when he only appears for five minutes i don't like the full character arc. right he's him. not my best he's not the best <laughs> yes and of course noah I don't know why that delights me so much, but the idea of Shaq being a huge Vincent Cassell fan <laughs> is very funny to me. Sorry. Go you, ahead. You also... I'm just... I'm recapping 2007 to for you to... real Just to hit it home for the viewers. How much other stuff that, like, is killer in there that makes you claim... Like, makes your claim of Michael Clayton is this even more impactful. You have a, you have a little movie I love called Transformers. You also have uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. Um, Rush Hour 3, Noah. Rush Hour 3. The first TMMT movie that comes out. God, it's all over the place, man. 
the kingdom really solid death sentence that was made here in Colombia. Hot fuzz, Noah. Hot fuzz. Yes. And just okay. There was a uh, there was a Highlander movie that came out in two thousand seven that I never saw. Oh okay. wow. Oh wow. I can't tell if you're playing devil's advocate here. Three ten to, to be Yuma. Ironic. You got three ten to Yuma, Noah. The remake of that. Are are you done? There's just so Have much, you man. To the bottom of your Google. List and there? I will say this: all those movies are great, but I. This is right up there with it. In the top, my top three retroactively. We have never talked about that movie year until now in depth, but it definitely be in my top three. My you number pro- one from that year, yeah, is Zodiac. Zero question. Yes. And then my two, three, and four are No Country, There Will Be Blood, Michael Clayton, like in a fist fight for which one is right. my favorite. Because I love all of them for very different reasons. Right. They're all masterpieces as far as I'm concerned. Zodiac is just of an upper echelon because I, I mean, I watched all of those movies a ton of times. I've seen Zodiac like upwards of 20 times. I adore that movie. And yet you don't have a theory on who it is? What? You don't have a theory on it's who John it is? John Carroll Lynch. <laughs> Still walking around. They're letting him act in movies. <laughs> Bullshit. The entire time it's been John Carroll Lynch. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was starring in a movie about how he is the devil to distract you so from him being the devil. You're on record that Ted Cruz is not the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. I got yes. it. Clearly, it's John Carroll Lynch. I'm just... Or that dude from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> the voice of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, okay. That guy. They just, they're close. The most bone-chilling, sorry. The bo- most bone-chilling. This episode is not. Please tell me. <laughs> this episode is not about Zodiac. Never mind. But it very well could be. Keep going. I was just going to say, the most bone-chilling scene in, like, I, maybe I've ever had in a theater is the basement scene in Zodiac. That's all I was saying. Mm-hmm. Charles Fleischer was the name. No. Is that right? Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? Is it Charles Fleischer? I think so. Name? I don't know. Anyway. Okay, whatever, dude. Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Michael Clayton, you liked it? Oh yeah, no, it was great. Okay. It, it felt, and we, honestly, it felt like whoever this guy was making this movie. I'm assuming it didn't come from any kind of other source material. He was like, he he like did a bunch did not, of coke and watched all these seventies thrillers. This is my early one. Retroactively, I understand why what won an original screenplay won at the time, which was Juno. Eh. Diablo Cody. There's the whole story behind it. There's an angle. It was a way of, like, much like Promising Young Woman that just won Best Original Screenplay. That used to be the category where you honor the cool indie movie mm-hmm. that made a splash, made a lot of money, but you're never going to give Best Picture to. You give it Original Screenplay. It also had the momentum of having the whole Diablo Cody used to be a stripper, she wrote this in her spare time, like, changed her life overnight, all of that sort of stuff. Okay. And people were kind of in love with it. I would argue that like she probably should have been nominated for some of her later work, like Young Adult, for instance, which is a far better screenplay, in my pers- personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you look at... And I get it. It was flashy for like, hey, it's, like, it's got a kitschy dialogue and a very unique voice to it. And some people were like completely put off by that. There was backlash to it. But... The energy was there for it to win, and it did. And I think deservedly so. I like I don't dislike that screenplay. But when we're talking about originals, 
this is the kind of thing where you're like, you're serious. There's no source material. There's no Michael Clayton book. There's no Michael Clayton book series featuring this guy. No. Like, how is this not adapted for something? Because it has the energy of like, all the presidents men, the conversation, all these things. Three from days the 70s. of the condor. Yes. Past it, the the last vibe I got of this, and it's like, it's like huffing the fumes of it, but it never quite got there. Still, a movie I love is something like the Lincoln Lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With McConaughey, mm-hmm. which was adapted from I think a Patterson novel or, yeah, or a Grisham right. or something. Yeah, but yeah, it has the energy of like a great like page turning thriller, but then you realize. This guy just invented it out of whole cloth. <laughs> this is one of the best. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is a debut. No, it's just a directorial debut. But it's Tony Gilroy, yeah. very famous screenwriter. Right. I don't know if you looked up his screenwriting credits. No. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to stay comfortable. Who's the other one that's phone. like? There's another one we talked about that it's like he wrote a bunch of stuff and then they let him make a movie, like. Dan Gilroy, his brother, okay. similar story with Nightcrawler. He wrote a lot of stuff. Right. And then when they finally let him direct one, it was like, oh, what a shocker. It's do you like, great. Do you like Nocturnal? Did you like Nocturnal Animals? Yes, I did. That's, that's Tom, Tom Ford, Ford's the fashion second, guy. That's, yeah, that's his second movie, though. What's his first one? A Single Man with Colin Firth, which I think is a much better movie, even though I like Nocturnal Animals. I just think it's wild that he's like Tom Ford, the fashion guy. Yeah, and then I'm going to make movies. That's just was, wild to me. Yeah. They, I mean, uh, yeah, they can inform each other with all that, but it's just, I like... It's like it, Anton Corbin was like a still photographer, right? Right. And then transitioned into directing. That's another one. Garland. I, Garland is the key. It's He's a writer, and then he starts making these fucking, fucking bangers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Straight up bangers. Every one of them. So, uh, to re-familiarize you, because Gilroy has some pretty crazy credits. Lay it on me. Okay. We are just doing writing credits. Yes. Taking you back to 1992, The Cutting Edge. Ooh. Ice skating drama. You have no idea what I'm talking about. I know, I I know The Cutting the, Edge, Noah. Come who's on. Who's in The Cutting Edge? Is tell, me, it, tell me one person who's in The Cutting Edge. Timothy Busfield. No, but D.B. Sweeney is That's who I'm thinking. So that's close enough. It's close me, enough. Because I it knew not, what you were basically You knew who I was saying. thinking it was. Right, yeah. Fair enough. Dolores Claiborne. Kathy Bain. Hello, Dolores. Extreme yeah. Measures. The Devil's Advocate. Hoo-ha! <laughs> Vanity. Definitely get, my favorite sin. Did you get my son of a woman? Yes, you did. Scott I, get, I did get that I shit. I love did, Scott yes. Ackerman so much. That is that fucking that perfect. Great. One Oscar, please. Yep. Tits. Hoo-ha! Um, he's <laughs> one of the many, many writers uh, that worked on Armageddon. <laughs> okay. Bait. With Jamie Foxx? <laughs> I forgot about Bait until you just Proof said the name. Proof of Life with Russell Crowe? Yeah, that's a good one. And Mike Ryan? Here's where he really, like, I guess, popped for a lot of people. He wrote The Borns. Okay. Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum. And the same year that Ultimatum comes out, he drops his first movie, Mike Clayton. And it's like, I mean, I love you, Jason. Love watch I love watching you fight, Matt Damon. But like you you want to tell me the better thriller of the year. Somehow the one with a bunch of lawyers running around and like one car bomb was way more thrilling to me. Yeah, dude, no, the everything tension that happens that, in Ultimatum, that's, that's, most of which I could not even recap for you. Supremacy is my favorite, by the way, the second one. I think it's the best. 
I don't I don't think I've ever seen any of the ones past the first one. If I do, I don't Dude, remember. The second that. two are so much better. Like all respect to Doug Lyman for kicking it off. Supremacy and Ultimatum, the green grass ones, are so much better. I think I've seen Ultimatum. Supremacy's the shit, dude. You gotta watch the second. Supremacy, where he goes back and like he Supremacy, comes up. She dies in the opening, Franca Potente, and he basically has to like come out of hiding to like, why'd you track us down and kill her? Like, fuck you guys. I was trying to be done with this. Now so I'm gonna like settle some scores. And in the process, I don't want to spoil it for you, but like he again has to like reconfront a mission from his past, essentially. But two has like some absolutely dazzling hand-to-hand stuff and one of the best extended car chases just ever it's three so but good. three he goes back to like the program and they show him like before he was jason Bull, three he signed is like up. the culmination right and he dives out the window at the end of the water there's or the big well there's the big jump through a window at one point in that one from the trailer you might be i've seen that through i've seen it ultimatum is. then okay anyways i didn't see the he new does, one they made he does Vegas. michael clayton Again, original screenplay nomination. Um, it's up for best picture. Clooney's up for best actor. Like Tilda Swinton's up for best supporting actor. And fucking wins. wins. And this is where a lot of people were like, "Who's that? Who is that? Is that that lady from the beach?" <laughs> yeah, dude. Gavin was uh, unwittingly on the Tilda train before mm-hmm. it pulled out of the station. Um, are you kidding me? I, uh, Constantine. The beach? No, no, no. I'm saying you were ahead of me by the beach oh, because yeah. I didn't catch on until Vanilla Sky no. in 2001. Or 2000. Why did you say it like that? You said it with a look on your face that made it seem like... You vanilla. You gotta do it kind of like your... Vanilla Sky. Kind of like your Paul McCartney singing the song. You said it... The look on your face vanilla was like, sky. I'm better than you and I'm gonna tell you why I'm better than you because you like her from the beach. She's way I better. I like her from Vanilla Dude, Sky. Arguably, she's way better in the beach and she has a way bigger role. She's in Vanilla Sky for like literally right. two minutes of screen time. But I was like, who is that? She's so like striking looking, just in general. Anyway. I think she should play Ellie Jackson in the 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 Rue biopic. You have literally said this <laughs> have like I? five or six times on our podcast. I, dude, it's, I'm getting old. But I'm I know to I repeat stuff. myself too, so what are you going to do? All right. It's after, just fresh for the new the, listener. After the listeners, rousing success of Michael Clayton and I, I'm like, dude, I cannot wait to see what this guy directs next. Do you remember a movie called Duplicity? Clive Owen and Julia Roberts? Yes. I loved this. I saw it day one in the theater. Yes. There was nobody there, <laughs> I should mention. Okay. And it was a huge bomb. And nobody went to go see it. But yeah, as a follow-up, it's complete. It's a comedy, Yes, first of all. But it has the intricate plotting and writing of Michael Clayton. Hmm. Just applied to something completely different. Um, and then he, did, he finally took a crack at a Bourne movie. He did Legacy when Renner came in. Which I have not seen. And he hasn't directed anything since. Hmm. Which I would say is a goddamn shame. Has he written anything ever since then? Uh, his most recent writing credit was on Beirut. The John Hamm international thriller uh, from a couple years ago. I think I've ever seen stuff for that on Netflix. 2018. Um, he's listed on Rogue One. Another movie where there's like a billion writers. The Great Wall with Damon. So we're starting to see like... Some of these seem like writer for, for hire sort of things. Right. Uh and he's a he's going to be writing the Cassian Andor series or writing for it, or maybe he just gets credit for character credits. It says he is writing an episode. Okay. Uh, 
Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. What? So the director of this Andor series name is Toby Haynes, but I definitely read it as Todd Haynes, and I was like, Todd Haynes is directing the Cassian Andor show. What is that gonna be like? Wow. So weird. Okay. All right. As I mentioned, it's very intricately plotted. Mm-hmm. We do not have to go through beat by beat. I would love for you to talk through beat. your I gave you my opening or not opening day. It went wide eventually. But again, seeing this during the middle of the week when I'm in high school with one of my best friends out of the blue. Again, we're 16. There's no reason we should be excited about this movie. Well, <laughs> on, yeah. pa- on paper, they're not appealing to us. You know what I'm saying? No. The movie is not targeted or launched at us. Mm-mm. But we both came out of that theater like, dude, holy shit. We were bound together by a love of Clooney. From the Oceans movies, because this was at a time when it was not okay to like 12 and 13. The Maybe Oceans movies? Yes. You weren't bound by From Dust Till Dawn? What the fuck is wrong with you? No, I'm, just, I'm talking about Barum and I Right, why weren't you not both bound by From Dust we Till Dawn? Were bound, we were bound over our love of the Oceans franchise because this was at a time when it was fashionable to say that the sequels sucked. And we... Did not abide that. He totally got 12 and what they were going for. He liked the energy. He appreciated it. And that's that's one of the early times when I was like, Bear, that's my guy. Anyways, so we're both Clooney fans. That's yeah. why we went to this. Okay. Basically. And I, like I said, I'm not fully into my 70s retrospective. I've started to hit some of it, but I'm not I'm not a douchey cinephile yet. And you're not, not quite yeah. yet. Okay? <laughs> you said it, not me, okay? Well, if you put the caveat in front of it, then nobody can give you shit for it. Then right. you don't sound like you, a pretentious asshole. You're like, yeah. I already said I'm a pretentious asshole. Yeah. So you weren't going to this for like, oh man, Tom Wilkinson uh, in the bedroom was amazing. Was, Let I, me see what's going on with this guy. Yeah, no, I was not like, oh my God, Sidney Pollock, like the echoes of the 70s films that you made. And now you're in one of these and you're just, you're great. I think I was like, I had seen Eyes Wide Shut, obviously. And I was like, All right, I... I adore Sidney Pollack as an actor. His movies are okay. Yeah. I like some Sidney Pollack movies, but as a as a presence on screen, particularly in his like 50s forward, I just love Sidney Pollack. So, and he's related to Kevin or no? Not that I'm aware of. It'd be funny so. if they were like cousins though, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Could be wrong on that. Um he is of course the big head lawyer at the firm. Right. He's dealing with the shit show at the at the opening mm-hmm. where we also get this absolutely wild like this is like a laying your dick on the table kind of moment for a screen from a screenwriting perspective i feel like which is like i'm gonna open cold with a monologue about like i'm talking about like filth and afterbirth but relating it to like a metaphor like mm-hmm. all of the shit that's in that and it's like this is how i'm gonna cold open is like a, an office building shutting down at night as yeah. far as you can tell, quietness on the street level and everything, and then we move to this one floor where everything is super chaotic. Yes, because they're in the middle of a uh, like crunch, countdown, crunch down, something like that. Yes, and of course, you, I'm sure, it's meant to be disorienting. It's meant to be like a, we're going to just like throw a lot of stuff on your plate immediately right out of the gate. So you've got Tom Wilkinson kind of ranting in your ear as all of this is happening. And it, it builds to a bit of a crescendo, and then you're into, you know, the chaos of that 
that meeting for and the question of where's <coughs> excuse me where's Karen fucking Crowder right and we hard cut to again in her Academy Award winning performance Tilda Swinton in a bathroom like sweating bullets <laughs> basically and I'm sure you're like what's going on man like, is she not I doing cocaine something? I thought she was doing cocaine what am I, no. What am I thinking of? I, I don't know what you're thinking of. What was I thinking of with somebody in a bathroom doing cocaine recently? Pulp Fiction? A bump. Do a bump here. Do a bump there. It was something I was watching. Okay. I can't no, think she's, of it. She's sweating through her shirt. Right. That's with her pits. I don't recall any cocaine in the scene. I just thought <laughs> I saw it. At the, you know. She's smelling herself. Oh, see maybe she that's stinks it. of sweat. Of flop sweat. Because she, she may or may not have uh, ordered the execution of a person who may or may not be dead, and we don't know. But we don't know that at the time, obviously. Right. Right. I'm, sa- I'm t- talking with the full breadth of knowledge of the movie. So, so spoilers for Michael Clayton, if yes. you haven't figured and, it out by now. Okay. And we get the introduction to Clayton, who's in a backroom gambling. Very killing of a Chinese bookie-esque. Absolutely. Feel Did you me. watch Mikey and Nikki yet? Not yet. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Get on it. Dude. What is that? I sent you a text. I don't even know if you responded. I said Mikey and Nikki on HBO Max. It's a Cassavetes movie. Oh, okay. And I was in the same way that I was like Killing of a Chinese Bookie is Uncut Gems before Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Mikey and Nikki is Good Time before Good Time. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Yes. So much more so than the connection between Uncut Gems and you, you get, you're going to like it. Peter Falk. I guarantee it. Peter oh, Falk, say no more. Ah, say no more. Cassavetes, directed by Elaine May. Um, but yes, great shit. Okay. It's on HBO Max. I don't know that it's like leaving anytime soon, but it's on there through the criterion, so you never know. Check. Okay. Give, give it a look-see. Okay. Give it a look-see. All Weekend right. is on there now. Weekend has been on there since they launched, and oh. I still have it in my queue, and I have not watched it. I was gonna. I forgot we were doing Rocky that's, and Karate that Kid. That is one of those. That's like, one of those I was gonna make you watch because I rewatched it the other night. Well, and that's one of those from that era where it was like super. And super when I started getting shit. into like, oh dude, I got, I want to watch the most fucked up shit ever, and it's like Weekend would always come up on the list, and I just never got around to watching it. And now it's like, I saw it was on there, I immediately added it to my queue, and now it's like, well, I know it's there. And I just have it, like... Well, if you want to watch it, let me give you the Criterion Collection DVD I have, so you can, like... Oh, okay. You can all get all the other stuff you want out of it. Okay. I have not opened it. I've been like, like, I can't watch it. I don't want to. I want to save it. What, why, why am I saving it? I've had this Criterion Blu-ray for this movie for, like, five years. Mm-hmm. I still haven't opened it up. And then it showed up there, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it here. That's cool. It's been a while since I've seen it. Let's watch it again. Because I asked for it for Christmas and I got it. And I was just like, I can't. Like, I, It's like a thing I had to like, had to be in a certain kind of mood. And I'd already watched Marie Antoinette. So I was like, oh, yeah, kill the rich. Let's do it. <laughs> fuck fuck the world. Like, you which, know, which, society. Which Marie Antoinette? Don't know. Not a fucking Kristen Dunst one. Okay. There's other there's other Marie Antoinette oh, movies as well. I was asking. I was making sure. As far as I'm concerned, there's only that one. Okay. Yeah. I love the music choices and cues in that and the I, visuals and the performances and oh dude that last shot the story choices the last shot of the palace it just it's a fucking masterpiece yes it is the, <laughs> yes. the last shot of that with like the the her bedroom and ruins i'm like mm-hmm. 
She's just a kid, man. She was just a kid. That's just the kid. whole thing I got, I took from this. Yeah. She only said the thing about she never. She probably didn't even say the thing about cake. Yeah. Now that people have like looked into it. Yeah. You know, that's all the. It's like you gonna blame her for this shit. Like there was a king. This isn't England where they don't have kings anymore. Yeah, this an is impotent piece of shit. Like yeah, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> I do think that is perfect. I, I do think that that is perfect casting little for Schwartzman. That's my opinion. <laughs> little little, little fuckboy the fourteenth just out there galloping one of the, on your one horse. Of the best best features on that DVD is MTV Cribs with Louis the Fourteenth, <laughs> where he is fake in character, taking them through like it's my palace of Versailles. Yo, check this shit out, dude. So speaking funny. of that, do you remember when when Slackers came out? They did a Cribs with Devin Sawa. And Schwartzman was like in his garage for some reason. I guess he was crashing there for like a couple days. And he keeps yelling at Schwartzman to get out of shots. Schwartzman! Just like all this shit as they're going through his like little tiny, you know, house on the hill, whatever kind of place Devin Saw was staying. Anyway, <laughs> Michael Clayton. What a movie. I just was, I nearly shot my load in the first like 20 minutes, but I didn't. Okay. He goes. He leaves he the thing. He gets the phone out, call. He leaves, and we get the introduction that he's essentially he's a fixer for a law firm. He's right. technically a lawyer, but he's the guy who gets shit done. Right. Knows lots of in and out. He's a Ray Donovan. He's the guy on the ground. He's right. you know who you call when you're in a pinch. Every firm's got and one. And so at after investigating that great kind of like our centerpiece opening dialogue scene with who is what is his name he was on years of american horror story i know he's like super well known i know you're talking about i knew the face whenever he was going through Dan... like zapansky keep talking i don't know I'm gonna find it um what am i thinking of? what what oh, other big okay well i guess it's i guess it's oceans wasn't there another big dennis o'hare jesus yeah. christ wasn't is there it... a big other Clooney one before right around this time Siriana or Siriana, like, he wins best supporting actor for. Right. Does he uh, win best? Wait, has he won best actor before? No, he has not. Okay. I mean, you know, it's crying shame. He could have won for this, totally, but you know. Well, who he loses to, I completely understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I get say, it. Are we really having that conversation? I'm just, I'm like not, at the end listen, of the I'm day. just saying he could have won it for this. If they don't nominate. If he had not won for Siriana, totally. Totally possible. Right. I think. I think that was enough to like move him out of consideration. Given who's up, I don't I don't know who my second two Day Lewis is, honestly. What? Your second to Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I'm saying he won. I agree with him winning. I don't know who my second pick in that category would be. I don't know if it would be Clooney. Or one of the other. I don't know who my second choice is. Who are the other choices? I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, well, you should read them out loud while we're talking about this caveat before we get back to the movie. Because I'm curious now. Because I guess it's just weird to think about what people win for. Because, like, when you say Academy Award winning, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, I want to say, oh, yeah, for Gangs of New York, right? And that's not the case. Right. But I, I love Bill the Butcher. Not as much as I love, you know, Nathaniel Hawkeye of the Yankees, you know, uh, Natty Bumpo, whatever you want to call them, Last Mohicans. But, like, I love Bill the Butcher, so I'm assuming, like, oh, that's the one he won for. So you're telling me now he didn't win for that, he won for something else. It's kind of like, well, wait a minute, what? 
Because I wasn't watching the Oscars religiously like you were. So I'm kind of like, eh, you know. You got to remember, like, this is what? The movie, it comes out in 07? Yes. And so this is 08 when we're we're watching it winning, right? Correct. Right. This is also my last semester and your last your last semester of high school, my f- last semester of uh, USC Sumter before I move. So I'm kind of like out of it when it comes to awards that year. I'm not really paying attention. I got a job. I'm working three days a week. Okay, we get it. <laughs> hey, you said... We fucking get it, bro. Hey, man, you said talk. I was just talking. Oh, thank you. Jesus. Okay, I did talk. <laughs> Come on, man. What are you <laughs> doing it, here? Man. You told me to talk and vamp, and then you're yelling at oh, me. God. Okay. I get no respect. The nominees me. for Best Actor yes. at the 2008 Academy Awards were Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Big old thumbs down, a little kerplunk from you. You didn't even make a noise. Gavin shockingly gave that one a big thumbs down. This is me saying, nah, I wouldn't have picked him. Vigo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. This might be my number two. Yeah, possibly. Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Ella, or Ella, however you want to pronounce it, which I think has no cultural footprint or nope. nobody remembers that. Nope. But at the time, pre-Hurt Locker, at least in conversation with Mom and I, we were like, this is the best, like, Movie about 9/11 war. adjacent right. movie right. that has been made in the wake of 9/11. If you're removing United 93 from the context and that it's like impeccably made, but also I never ever 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 want to watch that movie again. Right. It was like I could see myself watching in the Valley of Valley again, even though that one is extremely heavy. It is. Uh, and then we have Clooney for Michael Clayton, and of course the great Daniel Day Lewis, who won for there will be there will be blood. Which is maybe the performance of the last century. So, you know. They didn't even nominate Javier Bardem? Supporting. Supporting. And he won. That's right. Tom Wilkinson for this movie. That's how this whole conversation got started on the In the Bedroom episode. Okay. Was how Tom Wilkinson lost to him. Lost once to Denzel and again to Javier Bardem. So they're saying that bro. Because to me, like, that book and that movie is him. Like, I know that it's Luella Moss as the main character. But that book, like that, I mean, I want Cormac McCarthy to give me No Country for Old Men just from his perspective. I think the and other, it was, the it other argument there was like Tommy Lee Jones could have been nominated for In the Valley of Ella or for No Country for Best right, Actor. You could have gone either way on it. Right. I agree that Josh Brolin, just sheer screen time, should not be in consider. But at the same time, maybe he should because he is visually on screen a lot. Right, but. I think it's the it's a weird year. it's the off screen no note foot end you're done we find you dead in the in the hotel yeah. but of Bar- it all. Bardem as supporting yeah. it makes I could, sense yeah. I would never see I would never call that the lead performance I know it's movie. just it's in my mindset of like yeah. I would think of him but as a lead he would deserve it for that but other, I get other it. people who were up just to refresh your memory the great Philip Seymour, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman for Charlie Wilson's War. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, great performance from him. Movies kind of whatever. So I yeah. think that was part of the trajectory of like never had a shot. Casey Affleck for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Another movie that came out in 2007 yeah. that I'm like, holy shit. Yep. Another masterpiece. Hal Holbrook for Into the Wild. I loved Into the Wild when it came out. Another one I saw with Barham in the theater. Great experience. Uh, Tom Wilkinson for Michael Clayton. And of course, they lost to Javier Bardem. What are you going to do? And then Tilda, 
surprised everybody. Yeah, I want to. I yeah, tell me who she was up against because that's why. surprised wild. everybody. She was up against Saoirse Ronan. I think her first nomination for Atonement. Okay. Fuck her in that movie, by the way. Yes. Oh, my God. Not cool. Not at all. <laughs> Not cool at all Good what she did God. there. Um, that's also my least favorite of the Best Picture nominees, but was a movie when I was watching it where I got to the end and I was like, oh, come <coughs> on. Yeah. Really? I was so frustrated. God, I haven't by watched it. it in years. I went from like thinking I'm not that invested into this to being like very like viscerally upset by the reveal of the end of that movie. Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett for I'm Not There playing Bob Dylan. Yeah. Which is I think what a lot of people not, thought I'm it still was here. Gonna... Correct. Okay, just checking. Correct. <laughs> Which I think is where a lot of people thought it might go. And then the other one who was in consideration at the time, and I really. She's been in other stuff. I never felt like she got the extra pop. And I know she's huge in theater and it like doesn't really matter. But Amy Ryan in Gone Baby Gone, another movie Jesus. that came out in 2007, which she is incredible in, but a tough character at the same time where it's like, do you, do you really want to like give the award for think, this? Like, but do you think that it's, do you think there's a correlation between it being we have two more years and we're changing a decade and and at least like well at least that decade it was like we have one more year of the guy like be patient this is the last full year of bush and we'll get rid of him do you think that has any correlation to like the amount of or was it just like the mortgage crisis was in full swing and so like banks are being able to they're making hand money hand over fist from people in subprime mortgages that they can throw a bunch of money at Hollywood and Hollywood can just like we'll green light anything. I, I just I, don't know what it is because yeah. how I, I don't I'm I just, and I'm thinking I truly don't know how this is only just 13 years ago and it feels like we're talking about a yes. caliber of Ex- movie yes. that that exists like 40 years ago or 50 years ago. But yeah, I, 50, excuse me. I have to keep reminding myself how but far I back think, the 70s are. And I think I my theory is is because this is before your true detectives, your Game of Thrones, your big budget, all on each. I mean, Sopranos ends around this time, does it not? 2007, 2008? Yeah. yeah. So you've had that, but you haven't had that holy shit television, television. That hasn't happened yet. So you can only get these kind of things in film, so to speak. I'm not saying any of these movies should have been series, but you have something like a Die Hard that's come, that's, you know, started way back in the 80s coming out in the same year as all these other ones we've mentioned there hasn't been a huge emphasis on let's go back and remake shit that we haven't made before there still seems like there's a little bit of like hey let's make this kind of like political thriller that is its own thing that's like i mean if you didn't tell me i would have thought this was a i thought this was a legit like whistleblower thing like this was a real story Mm mm-hmm where they tried to murder someone for blowing the whistle on what was happening to the point that like, I just assume if there's any big corporate lawsuit anywhere, somebody's getting car bombs. Somebody's getting their, you know, the fucked up shit that happens to, you know, what's his face in this. It's we'll all going to happen. And very short. You know? So the opening again, he goes out on this call and then you see him driving. It's early morning. He gets out of his car to take a gander at some horses right. on a hill. Boom, car bomb goes off. What are you thinking at this point? Uh, I'm. Are you expecting, you know, 
what three days earlier? How long? Three weeks earlier? I don't know how. how it was only three days earlier. Yeah, three days earlier. Three days prior. No, I was. I honestly was like, I I didn't expect to jump back. I expected to jump forward. Right. I wanted to know, like, all right. But then, as soon as I see it, I'm like, well, yeah, I got to know how I got here. That's right. What? What's that? Oh, yeah. That's dumbass. Come on, Gav. And let we keep moving forward. Yeah. And you know, piecing together how we get there and all that. It's just one of those like it just feels like. You you have to give me that three days because otherwise I don't know why he gets out to stop and look at the horses, because a detail that frankly I missed several times watching this movie before it finally clicked, like why he literally why he gets out and looks at the horses, which is what the book from his son. Oh yeah, yeah. Which like, apparently was I, all made up. I was gonna say, I legit, yeah, the whole realm, realm and conquest thing. Yeah. Again, I'm like Tony Gilroy, dude. Just like, well, he said he made it up because it helped him connect with his son. Yes. This literally felt like one of those movies in the same way that Nightcrawler from his brother did, where it's like, it feels like you have been writing and honing this thing for your entire career as a screenwriter. It feels like your entire career has been building towards you making this like perfectly crystallized thing of what you do. There is like, it's like a Swiss watch. Like there's no sequence I would remove from this. And it even still leaves room for the classic seventies thing of like, and it's named after the guy for all of the thriller aspects of this, all of the, the corporate espionage, all of that. This is a character study. Right. This is about a dude who is very good at what he does, who finally has to stop and kind of think about, like, why he's doing the things he's doing. Right. Whether where it's gotten him thus far is is worth it, essentially. Right. And where his morals stack up yeah. in all of that. And it's you start with Clooney, like, the energy he brings to that Dennis O'Hare scene where he's just like, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a janitor. Like I'm here to clean shit up, essentially. Yeah. Which of course you don't get that. Like that's something he was just told earlier that day, which you get to later in the movie. And yeah. Everything. And he's echoing that line, but you you hear him set up as like, oh, he's the fixer. You're expecting Winston Wolf. You're expecting him to show up, right? With like Danny Ocean style energy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't at all. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy? It's supposed to be suave George Clooney, like. What's yeah. going on here? And he somehow manages to make you even, even with his perfectly speckled gray hair and that chin, and all of it, he somehow makes you believe that he's this somewhat beleaguered, sad sack workaholic who has like he's trying to do the best with his son. He's got a working relationship with his his ex wife, but they're mm-hmm. separated, and. You get the setup that he's like, he's in a bunch of debt. His brother's shit. His brother's a fuck up. He's carrying his brother. He's got this this albatross of this rest, failed restaurant hanging around his neck. And he's under the gun. He's not this polished, like, dude that you're expecting when you, I think you hear like, oh, Clooney is like a, you know, corporate lawyer, essentially. You're right. thinking he's going to bring some other energy. To the point where you only, you get, you get an early scene once we flash back and everything of him in the office on the phone. Right. You get like kind of a, this is what his day is like. Mm-hmm. And you see it's like, it's literally just like endless legal advice because he just seems like a really smart guy and a lawyer who like knows how to approach different circumstances. So he just gets called for every little thing essentially. And he's just, he's that guy for this firm. 
but has kind of been left behind in as much as like he's not a partner. He doesn't really have anything to show for it. Like they keep telling him he's valued, but right. You know, they don't really actually show him. Yes. So I don't, I don't know what else you want to hit. Eventually he gets called in on Wilkinson. Right. Who is, has been working on this longstanding lawsuit with, uh, what is the company called? Oh my God. Were they an energy company or a car company? What are they? What were they? They're one of these like vague GE esque have their hands in everything, but they're they're a chemical fertilizer right. company. Per, pretty, but they do a bunch of shit. Yeah, and they're international, and they have all of these ostensibly like world saving endeavors. There, that's their corporate image. Is like we're making the world safer and more green and healthier. But but the fertilizers give people cancer. Yes. And there's a huge class action lawsuit. And also poison crops of farmers that right. like may speak out. All yes, all yeah. of that stuff that we eventually discover. So Tom Logan's character has flipped out from everybody else's perspective, like gone off his rocker. We get it revealed the like huge he, crisis of conscience. He does have mental health issues right. that he struggled with and so they call in Clooney cuz he's kind of like the Wilkinson whisperer, right. if you will. They call him in and he's talking Tons of crazy shit that, again, at the time, sounds like complete psychobabble where he's talking about, like, two hookers, or two Lithuanian hookers, and they're sucking on my cock, and I'm at, like, <laughs> all of this shit, and you're like, only Tom Wilkinson, dude. I'm like, I don't, you put the same monologue in, like, a, some other actor's mouth, and I just, I'm laughing in the, for the wrong reason. Right. Whereas this is like, oh, I should be laughing at this, but I know the exact tone it's striking at right. the same time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, June Tao. Yes. <sighs> Old Matt Fowler. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so he's trying to basically he's gotta bring him back in the fold. They gotta get him under control. Tilda is the is Karen Crowder. She's like the basically the legal side for she represents them exclusively. The company. Yeah, the company whose not, name continues to escape. Not Clooney's law firm. Correct. Right. But again, Clooney's law firm is working with on behalf of them. Like they're right. trying to help this company essentially, except for Wilkinson, who has basically flipped right. or is in the process of flipping because he has discovered a deep dark secret, mm-hmm. which is essentially it's a weed killer. There's this yeah. harmful chemical, and they tried to cover it up, and they you know the the highest of the higher ups were aware of the cover-up. That's right. the other element. It's not like this was something that was brushed under the rug and people weren't aware of. This is like some legit dangerous shit that they just intentionally covered up because of corporate greed and any other number of things. Right. And he, we were, we need to make it known that he's, he's going crazy in a deposition with a girl who's a family, all her farm, family is one of all these farmers out. who's involved yeah. in the lawsuit. Yes. But they're all dead. It's just her, the girl left now. She has to live with family. She's by, she's, she's on with her like own. her sister right. and her <clears throat> brother-in-law. Yes, right. I believe. Um, yes. And he, again, from our perspective at the time, it seems like, Oh, he just kind of became like obsessed with this younger woman and like, right. you know, okay. He's got some delusions of grandeur. I don't know. But, of course, if you got your thriller brain on or whatever, you're like, okay, the the crazy guy spouting conspiracy theories. It's all true. Believe everything. He Every just fucking said. thing. Like, he can says, we just it. can we move past this? But it it gives you enough for why the people in universe would be like, 
oh, he's just off his rocker. He's off his meds. Like, yeah. brilliant lawyer, but the guy's kind of a kook. So right. you got to keep a close watch on him. And so they're basically terrified that the company that's has the lawsuit brought against them is now going to, like, sue them, the, mm-hmm. the lawyer, the law firm, for breach of contract. Because it's like, okay, your guy just, like, completely lost his shit, made us look bad, like, et cetera. Right. The ultimate fallout, like you said, he has a piece of information. He, like, can prove that there was this cover-up that took place, etc. But Clooney cannot keep a hold of him, essentially. Right. Loses track of him at the hotel after Wilkinson has called up and talked to Clooney's son, who we should bring up. I'm, I'm trying to, like, breeze through things, because I know we're getting late here. But, because that father-son relationship mm-hmm. is one of the cores of, like, why I absolutely love this movie. Yes. Because, um, again, like I said, you see him, the early scene where he drives him to school and, like, he's trying, he's telling him all about the Realm and Conquest book and trying mm-hmm. to get him excited about it. And Clooney plays this perfect note of, like, I'm probably not going to read that book. <laughs> like, I know in my head I'm not going to read that book. The kid's already kind of calling me on, but you're not going to read it. Like, I left you a copy already, Dad. Like, yeah. What the fuck? But he, the tone of, I'll read it, I'll read it, is so perfect of, like, he knows in his heart of hearts he's probably not going to read it, but he's giving at least enough of a genuine response to his son of, like, I do give a shit, man. Like, I'm kind of trying, even if I haven't tried my best over the years. I'm not ignoring you, okay? This isn't a a silent ride. I'm not an absentee father in the traditional sense of, like, oh, this guy, like, He's so consumed with work, he's got no time for his kid. It doesn't have that energy right. at all. It has a very realistic energy of, I think, probably what life is like for like a high-powered lawyer yeah. who's busting all over the place. Anyways. Where where do you where do you want to go? I mean, because I it's one of those that, like I said, I thought I, I thought this was a thing that actually happened. So when where it, it was like a, a real case sinister. When it gets to the most sinister, because it there was another movie you, I don't know if you watched a bunch or maybe mom talked about it all the time, but Boiler Room, I remember famously okay. from the trailer, they say anyone who tells you the money is the root of all evil doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the amount of money, one that is on the line for a payout to people, you know, when you realize that in real life, it's been uncovered that most like trucking companies say if you get in an accident with a car on the road run it over because it's better for us to pay out a death suit than for you to injure someone and we and pay have, for the rest of their life right you, that's a like a it's a known thing there's an acceptable number of people who can die doing something before it gets too crazy it's like they told us a big thing a couple months ago with work was that the people we do all our insurance from the, the whatnot they have a pandemic they don't have a pandemic clause so we paid a ton of money for people who were you know out of work for covid Mm -hmm. affleck and all these other big companies they got pandemic clauses if a pandemic's declared they don't pay you shit not to be confused with affleck who told us in fact that the only people who think that money is the root of all evil are those that never had exactly so in my head basically trying to be alec baldwin from glengarry glenn ross i was yeah i was thinking like gordon gecko greed is no, good he's trying to be that I get, scene is I know, I know he that, has yeah. the one scene he's the alec baldwin in glengarry right that's what he's doing in yeah. that scene 
But, but so, like, knowing that, knowing where it goes to, it's just... I mean, it, it, that is just, it's Tom Wilkinson's ultimate fate is just up there with just the most, like, I knew it would fuck you up. I the, just, some I knew of it would the most, it's, like, it's no, the moment it, in the it, theater it, where it, we were just like, is this happening right now? Like, the now, only, the only other the time, cli- this should be the climax. Like, what the fuck is going on? The only other time you know? I felt that way was after, like, the first time I watched Green Room mm-hmm. was just like, oi. <laughs> but like it was like hey, yeah. with green room where it says i was like oh well, they're just oh it's no so, they definitely just put something in his neck like he's is, he's done that sequence is which, so we should say, okay fucking the, just ugh. when you've seen the movie more than once and i think you probably would oh, enjoy, i watched it twice in the interim hell like, yeah but when you go back that scene where tilda swinton basically signs the death warrant mm-hmm. verbally is an acting clinic, dude. Those two people talking around something without actually saying mm-hmm. it. And all of the... He's like, okay, proceed, or, or okay, okay, back, back off. off. Like, yeah. And you see her doing the mental calculation of like... It would be this much I money. Really about am I about to can I do this? basically kill this guy? I'm not doing it myself. I am a third party removed. But and it's, how okay am I with this yes. moving forward? I think I'll be okay. Because I'd much rather have this happen than me lose my job. Yes. Or my company pay out and me be on the outs. So, uh, yeah. I'll go ahead and go ahead. And the idea, the thing is, they treat those two guys with the same kind of luster that they treat George Clooney. Mm-hmm. In so much as every firm's got a fixer like Michael Clayton. Every firm's got a fixer like these two fucks. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and that's to a- the point that I just assume now, <laughs> Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, C- uh, CBS, Walgreens, Disney, all of them have a dual. They have a, it's a two faced, d- d- double sided coin, whatever. Yeah. There's the I can fix this, and there's the we can handle this. We can fix it. We'll make <laughs> right. it go away. Yeah. And no one will be the wiser. You know. And it will take a it would take someone like a Michael Clayton to be like, wait a minute, this is kind of off here. You so- know. But they, it, it, they it works. have that conversation where you're like, "Are they talking about what I think they're talking about?" So you're, you're. By the time I realized you, what they were talking you know, about, that yeah. scene was on. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know that he's in danger, and then we're back to Clooney at his, at Clayton's father's birthday, right? With the family gathered around. This is what we've already been set up that like one of the brothers is a fuck up, the other one is a cop, right? Okay, and so the family is cops and lawyers, but there's the black sheep. Who's the dad? Is he somebody important? I don't know. Um, I think he's been in stuff, but he wasn't like a... Oh, it's that guy. It wasn't a name name. No. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we get stuff with his brother, who's the cop, and his sisters and everything. Again, I think all of the the beauty of the way all of the family and the interpersonal stuff is written, and it's just, it's just smart writing, and it's like the kind of stuff where I just wish more things did it. At no point does it treat you like an idiot. No. Like, these people aren't sitting there going like, okay, these are, like, the pre-established relationships. Hey, my sister, such and such or whatever. You're just like, I can feel out naturally through the dialogue and the way these people are talking to each other. No exposition whatsoever. That is is. the brilliance of the writing in this and anything that's worth salt is it tells you everything you need to know without hitting you over the head and being like, I'm Michael Clayton's brother. I yes. am a policeman. Let it's people so... come to you. Right. You don't always have to 
dumb it down or take it to this next level. Like, I always appreciate a movie that, like, doesn't take for granted the fact that, like, I'm here. I'm invested. I'm ready for you to show me something. I'm an active participant. Right. So when you start talking to me like I'm a fucking five-year-old. If you weren't Deadpool, I don't give a shit. Exactly. Right. Right. But that's the that's what we're talking about. Smart adult thrillers, right. etc. Which, again, which I think you talked about on either in the bedroom or wherever. Yes. Where have they gone? They're have they gone pre- the way of the dodo? TV is are they pre- yeah prestige TV probably yeah. So, anyways, we're in that birthday scene, and you're like, okay, we're here for a bit, and then we cut back over to Wilkinson coming to the apartment. Excuse me. He when he arrives back in New York, uh-huh. I love that he immediately go when when. Clayton finally tracks him down and is basically like, hey, like, these are the stakes. If you're going to pursue this, like, you know, I can't help you sort of thing. Like, come in. Let's hash this out, etc. And Wilkinson's kind of like, well, if you're not, if you don't work for them and you are concerned about me or, like, who your allegiance is to, essentially, like, who are you? Yeah. Like, which side are you on? Because I'm telling you, these guys are these guys are the villains, the people we're representing. Right. So, does that bother you, or are you just trying to maintain the status quo? Are you just trying to shut me up in the same way they all are? Right. While he's having this conversation, he has a giant bag full of baguettes. Yes. And he's going on about like take one. It's the best bread bread I ever tasted. When he starts going on these rants and stuff, I love it. But I bring it up because. One of my favorite details, when Clooney goes into this apartment a little later, and he goes in there, only a couple things. There's one bottle of champagne, because he thought the girl was coming into town, and she did come into town. There's like some, what looks like fruit cocktail on the top shelf. Yes. And there's a shit ton of country crock butter. Yes. And I didn't pick up on it until this time, I was like, they were playing for all that bread. And I was like, all that bread he just (laughs) bought. But I love that there's nothing else in the fridge. Champagne, country crock butter, <laughs> and fruit cups. That's it. The fruit cups are going to be the dessert. Yes. You know that. Fruit cocktail, which looked like it was all watermelon. I don't think there's anything else in Probably. There. But yeah. Anyway. Watermelon's a nice dessert. But I, I'm sorry. And I did have the thought. I was like, where's the Dom Perignon and the Wolfgang Puck? <laughs> Where is it? It's where's, a the cap- where's the Beluga Caviar? It's a fuck house. Okay. Yeah. So that. Uh, so I'm just, sure that took you off kilter. Yeah. You're like, oh, oh shit. They just well, killed off Tom Wilkinson. They did. But then it, to the point I was like, oh, well, now I know why the car got blown up. Right. I don't know you're why. Already on, you're already on the train. But like, right. okay. So either Clooney's going to like find out and like that this was all whatever. This or sequence where she's they... going to call it in on him as well. When Wilkinson comes in, he's just like coming back into his apartment. They tase him. I was having this conversation because Veronica watched it with me this most recent time. Mm-hmm. They tase him to kind of incapacitate him. They get him down on the ground. They pop some sort of like aerosol into his mouth. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're doing there? Narcan. Narcan? Narcan. Okay. For what? I'm, I sound like a complete idiot. I don't watch enough medical dramas. For what purpose? So, like, Narcan is supposed to, like, delay, like, if you are ingesting anything, it's basically, like, to clean everything so they're, out. They're so priming it's almost, him for it to take a while and look natural. Right. Okay. Because if there's... And not it, show up 
whatever is going to be on whatever. What do they give him a drug for making him look like he had a heart attack? Does he take too many pills? Even specify it because they say they found him in the tub. Yeah, you see them prepping him for the tub. Right. So in order to make sure there's no, I I may not be Narcan. I don't know, but in my head that was a primer to be like, okay, he's tased, he's incapacitated. It's a mix of like it will clean out anything. It will you know prime whatever they're going to do to him for that to work the way it's supposed to and also get out of his system to the point that like you know and just, it will be essentially the, untraceable the way these guys move and the way they're talking to each other like you better hit it like we're on a timetable like yeah you better stick that needle like right now and then they just kind of just calmly they're just looking at their watches and it's like i would venture to guess these guys have done this once or twice before. Right. Like the level of precision and the matter of fact coldness of like, we just murdered a man in about the most humane way you could do it. Right. The least graphic and like confrontational, but Unless with, done with such passivity that it is disturbing to watch. Where right. you're just like, these guys are, fu- there's, there's no souls there. Like, how do you just, right. I understand in your head, you're just like, this is the job. This is yeah. This is what I got to do. This is the next thing. But if you want to argue, just, aren't they all? Joke, aren't they dude. both ex-military? Yeah, yeah. If you want to argue, this is one of the crazier post nine eleven movies that's ever come out. <laughs> yeah. Look what it's. What, look what we've done. Yeah. Only thing I was gonna say, that in the nose could have been aerosol potassium cyanide. It's the only thing I could think of. Right up the nose, just two two puffs of potassium they cyanide get in his mouth. They specifically hold his mouth open. And they pump something in there. I was just, I've never been able to like, I didn't get it. And I, but that's the kind of details too that I love where it's like, I don't need to know. The movie knows. Like the, the movie right. knows what it's doing. It looks like what it reads as is guys who know exactly what the hell they're doing, doing it really well. Right. And it's even more chilling because of that. So shortly afterwards, again, everybody's like, oh, he cracked. He went crazy. He offed himself. And Clooney immediately, even at the wake and everything, is just not buying. He's just like, something does not add up here. Right. This does not fully work for me. And then he's had an earlier scene where he had to swing by Sidney Pollock's place and basically be like, I need a loan. Like, I need money to cover my debts, essentially. I've never asked you guys for anything. I'm asking now. Yeah. And so several scenes late, you know, Wilkinson has been killed. We don't. And we're kind of just left in an air of like, was any of this going to get settled? Like, right. are we going to get any justice <laughs> yeah, for any of this exactly. shit? Because yeah. they're just at his at his wake. Clooney's none the wiser, and he comes in the next day, and they like they give him his money, and they're like, "Hey, just so you know, like you made a lot of people nervous around here with the amount of shit that you know. Like, you come in asking for money, and he's like, that idea of like I wasn't trying." I, I don't know. It's something I feel like you rarely see depicted in movies, but happens in life a lot mm-hmm. where it's like, I didn't intend that. I didn't intend this thing that way. Right. And you guys are putting a narrative onto it or like, right. this is how you're taking it. Mm-hmm. That's not what I meant at all. And you're completely misunderstanding me. But sometimes, and you couldn't fucking talk to me about it. Exactly. You couldn't. Yeah. Sometimes for the sake of short change or just to not rock the boat, you'll like let somebody's perception of what the thing meant slide without like, and it may be eating you up on the inside. Clooney plays this scene so perfectly of like, well, I'm, I shouldn't have to be begging for this essentially. Yeah. This is due to me, 
But the idea that you guys think that I'm like shaking you down, like I'm not already deserving of this. Like I strong armed you into like getting a payout because I'm some greedy asshole. Like the idea that like those people that he works with, they probably don't know he's upside down on this restaurant and like right. all of his personal shit. They just assume that's fucking Michael Clayton. He's got fucking, you know. Yeah. Goose that lay the golden egg. He must be fucking well, Because asking dough. for money like that will make you a liability to any firm. Right. Regardless of what the reason is, you know? So, yeah. I mean, you're coming to them asking for a handout, essentially, but it's because you, but you, it's, you it's never had before. Different, and it's just right. the confluence of circumstances. But I love that moment of, like, he does kind of get to speak up for himself a bit, but Sidney Pollock immediately coming in with the, like, hey, he's an asshole, but he knows he's an asshole. Right. <laughs> About the, the books-keeping guy who is yeah. just like, hey, we gave you this much money. We got to bring you in on this. There's some strings attached. You're going to sign a non-NDA. And again, the move, the trajectory, like three-act structure is kind of out the window at this point where you're like, was this it? Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Are they just going to pay off Clooney and then the movie's just going to kind of end? Like, yeah. where are we going here? Right. And then you start to kind of realize like, oh, there was that. Oh, yeah. There's that fucking car bomb. Oh, yeah. So How are we going to get there? Yeah. All right. Okay. And then you start, I love, uh, again, I think this movie should have been up for best editing, probably should have won, um, but the the ramp up to, we're showing you information that you've already seen visually in right. the opening, but we're also intercutting it with the new information. The sequence where they're in his car. Get out. Planting that shit. Get out. Yeah, and he's just like, you see him watching the he's like, get out of the car now, like the... Mm-hmm. The level of like this is escalating, but I'm not I'm not yelling at you in like an action movie like get out of there now sort of mm-hmm. way. It's just like a firm like okay okay dude, but now like you gotta get the fuck out of there. So when I'm when I'm remembering from the beginning, oh wait, his screen did flicker. I wonder yeah. what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Now I know why. Yes, you know. So we retrace our steps. Essentially, um, we get back to that moment and. We didn't talk about the sequence where he goes into Wilkinson's place mm-hmm. afterwards. After getting, he gets the the seal, the city seal from his brother, the cop. Right. Because the place has been sealed off and it's like, well, I'm going to go in, I'm going to get back out, put the seal back on. Nobody will, nobody will be the wiser. Right. While he's in there looking around, he finds the Roman Conquest book. Right. And the only real like discernible image that he sees at any point in time is some horses on a cliffside between two trees right and you're like oh shit or at least you are when you finally pay attention to it because again i didn't catch this until like my fourth or fifth time watching the movie also in this sequence so cops show up Mm -hmm. and it's a show me your hands the pace of that scene is like oh he's discovering like a revelation the last thing i'm expecting is for cops to show up and i don't know if it's something in the sound design or whatever that was a legit jump scare in the theater. Really? Because you're so in it. Yeah, it's so like, quiet with him. What's he about looking, to yeah. find? And it's so quiet. Yeah. And the when those cops show up, it is it legit. It was a jump scare. And I was like, I was not expecting that <laughs> oh. in this movie. It's so weird. I wasn't expecting uh, what's his face from Dexter. Yeah. I gotta learn that guy's name. He's popping up everywhere. Uh, so of course this the brother's pissed off. He's like. Dude, my like I'm all, I'm about to be up for pension or what or um the equivalent of tenure, I guess, whatever, for mm-hmm. cops or whatever. He's like, You're putting that in jeopardy, like all this other stuff. And you're like, dude, can things get any worse for Michael Clayton? Like 
oh wait yeah they can yeah yeah so we catch back up with the beginning of the movie we see the car bomb go off and then we see what he does right afterwards which in the theater i was like oh my god (laughs) i was so jazzed at the idea of a guy who sees and is able to calculate within about 30 seconds and do it all on his face as well that like okay this is my moment i'm gonna take all of my my keys my watch my wallet it's all going in the car i'm fucking faking my death baby (laughs) and i'm like dude where is this going and it leads to i i'm hard pressed to think of in this year in particular the only other more satisfying ending is probably there will be blood oh yeah i'm finished talk about a release yes but Karen Crowder's in the meeting with all the higher ups and they're basically saying like, so what we decided was it's cheaper to settle than to continue to pursue this. She's trying to sell all the higher ups on like, okay, yeah, so we actually got to like pay all this out to keep these people quiet. Because if we don't, if we don't do it now and this memo gets out, then we're going to be, it's triple that is what we're going to pay out. So you're better to let them know, tell them they can't sue you again and then go from there. And so she's in this meeting, and you, of course, know that she was, like, sweating bullets beforehand. You've seen her. I love her coaching herself. The pre-speeches yes. intercut with, again, great editing. I'm like, why the fuck was this not? Why did it not win editing? I think it's because No Country did, which, again, really well edited. Yes. <laughs> Hard to argue with. She comes out of this big, like, boardroom meeting. And Clooney's just there. And he's like, how'd it go in there? <laughs> and I... He every, calls her on the phone first, right? No. I thought he called her on the no, phone. No, 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 no. He just shows up there. That She comes out. He says, how'd oh, no, it go he, in no, there? No, he had the phone recording her. Yes. That's right. He says, how'd it go in there? And she, as far as she's concerned, is seeing a ghost for at least like, you know, a fraction of a second. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, fuck, he's still alive. Yeah. But... And you, you know it's just, it's on. And you're just like, dude, crush her. Yes. Literally crush her. And it wait is a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this where, like, Karen comes from now that everybody talks about Karens who are like... <laughs> no. It no? Could, it could. I love Karen Crowder as a character, though. Somebody who's just so in over their head. Yeah, they just doesn't they matter. don't know which way is up. And when she breaks down in this mode of like, where am I going to get $10 million? But then like cycles back around to like, okay, but we'll do this. And like all the while you're like, it, it, oh God. And then it builds up to him just being like, you're so fucked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I have never like, it's just so unbelievably satisfying. And it's just dialogue and performance. There's no, literally. It's not even like. Oh, there she is gets one her cut off at the end of this. It's just, <laughs> just one. There just are eviscerates. One, it's her. just one, one piece of action. It is just a car explosion. That yes. is it. Everything else is just but words. This conversation is just like fireworks, dude. I was. Just, I'm every time I watch it, I get so pumped because I'm just like, dude. He is just going to tell her the fuck off. And then I love the moment when Don Jeffries, the big business guy, comes out and is like, Karen, is this man bothering you? And Clooney is essentially just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Walks off and they're like, stop that man. Stop that man. And you're like, no, the cops are here for you, you guys, guys, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. So satisfying. He comes out and he's like, hey, brother, sorry about that whole seal thing. I just served you 
a giant, amazing case on a promotion, bitch. Exactly. Like, oh, and guess what? This. Also saves your firm because like they went down. Yeah. And uh, your firm is still, that's the thing. The firm yeah, wants yeah, the to firm keep it going. Gets, They're getting paid by the hour, baby. Right. It doesn't matter to them. Oh, they got to crunch it well, all night long. And oh, the, hell yeah. The revelation We're billing. earlier. They've been billing gets, them for when, seven years. The revelation earlier when he gets the payoff of like, where Pollock is just like, you've been here for, you know, 17 years. I need to tell you how the bills get paid around Exactly. Here. And you're like, of course he knows. And Everyone. of course Clayton knows. Yes. Look, they know all of this fucked up shit goes on. But it's not until he's really confronted with like, they killed my friend, essentially. Right. Somebody who I respect and who I sat here and said was a fucking crazy person. Right. This whole time. And it turns out all I needed to do was listen to him, get on his side, and like, maybe he'd still be here right now. Right. Never mind the, the moral centerpiece of this entire movie, which I kind of skipped over the scene, but is the right after Wilkinson is killed, his brother shows up at the Clooney's brother shows up at right. the the father's birthday as they're leaving mm-hmm. in front of his son, and he's clear. He says he's been clean for a couple of days or whatever, but Clooney's just immediately telling his kid like, just get in the car, like don't even engage with him, and gets in. They drive away, drive him for a bit, and he just he stops the car and he pulls it over, and he just has like the most honest heart to heart you can have with like a kid of that age where it's like you're respecting their intelligence level mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to get the sentiment of this with no bullshit flowery right dumbing it down for a kid and he's just like you're not i know when i look at you that you're not going to be one of those kids who grows up and walks around and wonders why there's shit falling out of the sky around him who's just like the way that he feels where he's just like, I am kind of adrift right now. I don't know what my life is Mm -hmm. or where, you know, what it all means essentially. And he's like, but I can look at you and tell that like, you're not going to be one of those kids. You're not going to be like, like your uncle. You're a a good one, essentially. Like you're a smart kid. And he's like, do you understand? And the kid to his credit, who doesn't have to do much in this scene other than look like a kid and deliver like one line of dialogue meets him emotionally there where I'm just like these like this is why you this is why this movie is worth going back to over and over again beyond just being like impeccably plotted and like having great performances like it has a true moral compass and heart to it that is not like cheesy or saccharine in any way it's just like no perfect so I just wanted to get to that anyways he eviscerates Karen Crowder and then my man goes and gets in a taxi and tells him just drive. Just drive. And it's one of my favorite closing sequences of any movie. It's very 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just... And you're just sitting there and you're like, that's a goddamn movie star, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm just watching watching his face, watching him process the last three days of his life. Well, yeah. what, with the decisions he made that led up to this point in his life, the decisions he hopefully will make going forward about, like, what his morals are going to be, how he wants to raise his kid, all of this stuff. And it's like, you gave me all of that, and you gave me, like, a fucking crackerjack thriller, like, conspiracy thriller with espionage and guys creeping around and doing surreptitious shit. It just, it's beautifully layered. What a debut. It's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's impeccably acted. I, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it was, I... One of those that, again, I hadn't seen him forever, and I was just like... Eh. You hadn't seen it at all, you said. 
Well, no, I had never, I just never had seen in forever. Yeah. Yes. It's been forever since I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, literally, it, literally forever. forever. I have never seen it. <laughs> Having never seen it, I just, I don't know what it is about the seventies, man. Like I, I get it, but like I just, I don't. It's not, it's not me. I can't. So I can appreciate it when I see it. Yeah, like I fucking love sorcerer. I fucking love night moves. Fucking, You're gonna love Mikey and I Nick. fucking love. Well, isn't um, only Good Friday's eight eighty, right? It's on the cusp. Yeah, might as well be a seventies movie. Um, I love that too, but there's just the weird thing of like, I just I can't let myself like get in there. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, but that's what I love about the, this one is like, I can be like, oh, this is like this, and it's like that, the, and it's its the own trajectory thing. of a seventies movie. Again, would lend you to believe this is going to end with. There is no justice, and it is ambiguous, and we don't get a payoff. So that, to me, is the greatest subversion of all right. of it, is yeah. to have that final scene where it's like, this was cathartic, holy shit. Right. But then, in true 70s fashion, it doesn't just leave you on this high, it leaves you to ask, so what now for this guy? Or was like, it all worth it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, would would this have been a little bit better if you could have actually like saved Tom Wilkinson? Post modern, <laughs> post nine eleven. Uh, what was I going to say? A, it's a movie about morality, existentialism, a, when we were and having some kind too. of like broad moral conversation. If you look at a lot of the movies of this year, if you want to boil it down to that, but no country is deeply rooted in like the morals of humanity, etc. There will be blood Zodiac to a certain extent as well. Like you can draw that in the, in the Valley of Ella in particular, like directly relating to what was going on. But you, yeah, you feel like a lot of people are starting to question, like, what are we doing in Iraq? What are we still? doing over there? What, yeah. you know, what you has break, been done? What I don't, has been covered up, etc. It, et cetera. it like, doesn't, there's, it doesn't lend itself because it's just, it's just, a, it's not a place to, to just go to because it, it doesn't it doesn't help for any sort of conversation. But looking at America as America in the context of what we are seeing as entertainment, you have to, on some level, tie it back to what we're feeling at the moment as a collective like this I mean, as for as much as California's California and Hollywood's Hollywood we can argue that they do know what's going on with us because of what they give us when they give us it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's from an, an exec, uh, you know, a few people who may not necessarily know what it means to be in the lives of the characters they're writing about. They're still giving us this to process. And it's a quick thing to be like, oh, well, this is all just like a reaction to like, this is just what does it mean to be a man in today's world post 9-11, you know? Because it means, you know, you're living in this world of like this corporate corporate thing or whatever, you know, you're, you're a corporate lawyer, you're making money off greed, you live in a world where X, Y, and Z things have happened, and how do you feel about that? It's real simple to break it down to, what does it mean because this one big event that happened in the U.S.? It's, it, you know, it's not, a, it's not a thing I like to do a lot, but when you do get into these different like watermark years and different like things where you can look at specific things that were going on... It lends itself to, to throw that into the mix to try and figure out how is it that in this year with, you know, the birth of the the rebirth, as far as I'm concerned, of the CGI action blockbuster summer thing with Transformers and then, you know, the ad- book adaptations that are, you know, starting to kick off and move forward because Hunger Games isn't before this. No Country for Old Men is here and then you get... 
boom, everybody's making books now. That's, I mean, that's what we do. There's tons of series that are just books that they were young adult books or they're regular novels. Mm-hmm. So it may lend itself to kind of look and see what we're doing and how we're, you know, just there. It can't be understated, but it shouldn't be overstated as a simplification of like, oh, what's just this? Yeah. It's just what it's like to be a man with a moral comp- compass issue in post 9-11, you know, uh, corporate law, law world. Boom. Well, maybe, but it can also be just a, a, a brilliant 70s influence, but also flipped on its head, you know, and meditation on what it is to be that kind of guy as well. Absolutely. So just to cap it off, I want to say probably... I mean, it's definitely easily like top three Clooney performances, but I think the reason it stands out so much, I brought this up um, in relation to Flight and also Malcolm J. Israel. Roman J. Israel. Roman J. Israel. Malcolm J. Israel. Excuse me. Excuse me. It is getting late. That's what happens when we go for two and a half hours. Um, Hell yeah. But recent... Denzel yeah, Washington movies where the reason he like really popped for me so much compared to some of the things where he's essentially just playing. A he's cool just standing there with Denzel, you. We got it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Was playing characters who have that, they don't have that control. They don't have that like inherent, like baddest dude in the room, dude. He's just coming here. They don't have that equalizer energy. Right. Like the flight characters completely in over his head, even though he has this false confidence and like bravado and everything. So he's He's a c- complicated character, and Roma J. Israel was like extremely introverted. I don't know if you saw that one. That's Dan Gilroy, the guy who did Nightcrawler, okay. his second movie. Colin Farrell's in it, dude. Dude, good, good little legal thriller. Honestly, the closest thing I've seen in a bit to a Michael Clayton. Was it nominated? Movie. I kept hearing he was nominated for Best Actor. Okay, which we don't have to get into it. They say that they don't do shit like this. A hundred and ten percent. The psych, the Me Too allegations against James Franco came public after he had won the Golden Globe for Best Comic. He was going to be nominated for the Disaster Artist. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He'd been nominated in all of the prior categories, but that Me Too story broke. The Oscars, the nominations, I think, were announced like the next week or something, and all of a sudden, Denzel, who had not been nominated in any of the prior awards was up for Roman J. Israel. I think that is a great performance. I think it was totally deserving of being up there. But it is this weird one where like nobody saw that movie that year. No. Nobody talks about that movie. Nope. And yes, you I know where I think know the Roman only J. reason he was nominated was because they needed to sub they had to go what was the sixth one that people actually voted for? Or right. excuse me, what was the second choice that people actually voted for because we can't have him in this category. We don't want the, the smoke. We're right. we're staying out of this. Right. That's the vibe. The only reason I know Roman J. Israel Esquire is when Bill Hader did it as Safan and like New York's hottest club has everything. Twidgets, midgets, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Like when he did that, that's the only reason I know that name and that I had no idea. That's a crazy story. But uh, yeah, cast dynamite as well. Check it out for sure. Um, Okay. You mentioned Denzel because Denzel wanted to do Michael Clayton, but turned it down. And then no, I did the no, whole no, it's a, no, but it's a, it's it's yeah, no, I get what you're saying. If you didn't intend that, it's perfect because Denzel turned down this role, and then Clooney did. But then he met Tony Gilroy, and with two hours, was like, "I'll do it." And then Denzel saw it and was like, 
damn, I should have done that one. I did not know that whole backstory. You didn't? No, I didn't do any, no trivia on this one. Now I'm about to. trivia, yeah. Now I'm about to. It's gold, Um, baby. So that was perfect synergy if you pulled Denzel out of nowhere for whatever reason you brought it up. Yeah. Because, you know, there's that backstory. So he, and if I'm not mistaken, instead he does like Inside Man around this time. Right. Spike, which mm-hmm. is another great one that yeah. has aged really well and great to go back and rewatch. Anyways, but that's the thing that stands out the most to me is that Clooney took on this role that like on paper shouldn't work. Like I shouldn't be buying George Clooney as this, as this guy, but I a hundred percent buy him. Like. It's just not what you naturally expect from him, and the performance is that much stronger because of it. I think it might be my personal favorite. Um, and not overplay. It's not like I can point to a centerpiece sequence other than that scene with his son. I think is kind of the emotional core to the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Which, again, that's like a cherry on the top. This movie like doesn't need to have those grace notes that it totally does. It's it's so strong in all these other aspects as well. But it you know it doesn't hurt. Okay. That was Michael Clayton. We we both loved it. We had two two great ones. This is one of my mm-hmm. favorite two by twos in a while. And we will be back with arguably the maybe, most controversial. Maybe the most controversial two by two. Right. Ever. And now again, the whole point of this show is not to pit movies against each other, but we're definitely doing that for this next one. You can't not know. The brothers we're gonna figure out who's the best are joining around. us for Rocky and the Karate Kid. That will be Recorded very soon. You guys will probably hear it early next month, which is the start of year five here. It's about to be our four-year anniversary on May the 1st. We appreciate everybody who has listened to any of our content over the last four years, and we hope you will stick with us in year five because we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Yes, we do. We'll tease all that stuff later. And some some other feeds as well. Uh, Thanks if you stuck in there. I know this was a long one. Uh, We love you guys. Thank you for listening. I have been Noah. I've been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. Please spay and neuter your pets and make sure you get vaccinated. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next. uh, Catch you on the flips. I don't know. What are we doing? See you then. See you on another time. See you. I was just going to go out with, and I'm Shiva, the god of death. (laughs) I'm Shiva. (laughs) Yes. You are so fucked. How about we go out with? Glug, 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 gl